Karlsson, Karlsson, världens bästa Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Skulle jag så bra som mig Karlsson, Karlsson, Karlsson scores Karlsson, Karlsson Welcome everybody to another episode of Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys who have already celebrated Thanksgiving because we're in Canada, so we're going to be super bored on Thursday. I'm your host, Dylan Dubrovsky, and with me, as always, to break down everything that's gone down in the past week of NHL action, it's my good friend and yours, the fantasy hockey robot himself, Brian Com. Hello, Elon. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode where, as you mentioned, Elon, we have a day coming up with absolutely zero hockey. So if you're in America, happy Thanksgiving in advance. Uh, if you're in Canada or anywhere else around the world, we have listeners, I think, in at least 14 or 15 countries, uh, then just, uh, I, I don't know, maybe it's a stress-free day. Maybe you really lean in to what looks like boredom, but maybe it's just a day to take stock of what you have in fantasy and uh, I don't know, start planning for next week there. I've already I've already shot the boredom aspect of it. It's hard to sit still in fantasy, which is why we are coming at you with another episode full of fantasy advice so that you can keep your team sharp and competing for that championship in your league all season long. Yeah, definitely. On Thursday, that's the time where when everyone else in America is snoozing, literally, then you go and grab the primo free agents for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday slate. And Friday, don't forget, it's going to be a full day. So you're going to want to take a look and see who you're going to have on your bench on Friday. Drop that person, grab a Saturday player. You all know the drill. But okay, yeah, so we've got a big show for you today. We're excited to get into it. The plan is we're going to go over some hot streaks. Then we're going to play a game. I think it's the first time we've ever done this. We're going to play a game of Keeping Carlson Would You Rather, where I'm just going to give Brian a hot streak and a cold streak, like a dueling player who's doing well, players doing badly, and ask him who would he rather have moving forward, and then we'll end with some quick hits, and we'll try to knock this all out, 90 to 120 minutes, uh, if you're listening to this, and you're thinking, you know, this show's kind of long, uh, why do you guys go for so long, like two hours, I have a, a hint for you, uh, we had one review, oh, I, by the way, I want to thank everyone who uh, left us five-star reviews after we announced our contest last week, we really super appreciate it, one person who gave us a not-so-good review said that the show's too long, so yeah, to that person, I would just say, you know, you could listen uh, for as long as you want the show to be. Then you stop listening, and then the show was, like, the perfect length for you, okay? Like, so, just, just a hint. If you think it's a bit long, no one's forcing you to listen to the whole thing. But if you do listen through, I think we're going to have a lot of good stuff for you. Before we get to it, let's, of course, mention that Keeping Carlson is presented by DauberHockey.com and super proud of it. Dauber Hockey is the number one site for all your fantasy hockey news and notes. Great articles all the time. I love the daily ramblings. It's a must-read every night before I go to bed. Plus, the tools of Frozen Tools are what I use to prep the show and, you know, prep my fantasy life. I don't know what I would do, actually, without Frozen Tools. So, it's all great. That sweet over at DauberHockey.com. But with that, Brian, we're about to be ready to get into the content. But first, I believe we did want to thank all the people who gave us five-star reviews and remind them about our cool contest we're running till the end of this month. Yeah, so we have a a raffle coming up for anybody who leaves us a five-star review uh, on on, Apple Podcasts. Ideally, if you want to leave them elsewhere... By all means, send us a screenshot on Twitter or by some means, and we will enter you into a draw slash Michael Raffle to win a sweet, sweet 
Keeping Carlson t-shirt that we will send you uh, as thanks for writing a review and also as congratulations for your impeccable luck. So you can uh, you have until the end of November to leave your five star written review on iTunes because those are the only ones where we actually see the usernames for. And once you do that and claim your review by letting us know you've done it, uh, you will be in that draw. Yeah, you'll enter the Michael Raffle and you'll uh, win that sweet shirt. Yeah, I've got the American reviews up today. So I just want to thank, uh, obviously, people from other countries also. We appreciate it, but I'll thank here from America, since you're the one celebrating Thanksgiving this week. FHC Goalie, Micarlo78, Benjamin Stark, <laughs> Bunch of Pigeons, Mad Dog, 18,055, Canned33, uh, The Original Noob, uh, Tape Talk Hockey, and yeah, thanks so much. By the way, Tape Talk Hockey said, Brian is a beauty. The boys kill it every episode. Must listen, but don't tell. And I'm just going to say like, yeah, thanks for this, that second part. What's this Brian is a beauty? What about me? I got a new haircut just for this show. Come on. After you, after you read that review, went out and got a haircut so you can <laughs> com- compete. I'm not sure it's about looks. Uh, I'm not sure what it's about, frankly. Uh, but also in Canada, thanks TJ USA, Ryan Downey, Daniel Huff, Vonick92, Mucker, Ben Let87, Sean Avon, Ty Toms, Dudman123, Sam Jerome, BMonkey84, and King Ilf, and Avid Heat. We really appreciate uh, all of your reviews, and we encourage you, if you have not yet, to please leave us one and get your name in the draw. Okay, but now let's do the work to actually earn those five-star reviews, so here we go. Lots of content coming at you, starting with some hot streaks, and I want to start in Carolina, where the Hurricanes won their fourth in a row yesterday, beating the Kings 5-4. to four. And of course, we saw production from the team's two biggest stars, Svechnikov and Ajo, both currently sitting at 19 and 18 points, respectively, in 16 games, both just having amazing seasons. And with those two so hot, we of course need to highlight whoever is on that top line with them. And lately, it's been 19-year-old Seth Jarvis, who scored a goal for his third straight game yesterday. Uh, so Jarvis, he's a 20 2013th overall pick and he was called up back on October 31st he put up points in his first two games then was quiet for four games but now is on this streak of three games in a row scoring a goal and what's got to be like one of the top third wheel situations in the league at the moment playing with Aho and Svechnikov uh, he's also been seeing power play two times so Brian Carolina plays four games next week so if anyone listening is in a somewhat deep league you've got to imagine that we're going to recommend that you should consider grabbing Seth Jarvis right while he's on that sweet spot in the lineup and scoring goals every game Absolutely. Everything really looks great while Seth Jarvis is on the ice, including Seth Jarvis, this 19-year-old from Winnipeg, has now become the 17th player in his draft class to play an NHL game. This is a 2020 draft class. So, of course, Lafreniere and Stutzle have already played theirs, but also guys who are more around the Seth Jarvis part of the draft. Maybe not so much Lucas Raymond, but Dawson Mercer, Jamie Drysdale, Anton Ludendell, who've all looked at home this year in NHL minutes and on fantasy rosters. Some as fixtures, some as streamers, but here's Seth Jarvis joining the party. He certainly looks at home on that first line in Carolina with those 12 shots in his last three games. Jarvis's time on ice is still somewhat limited. He kind of actually reminds me very much of Nino Niederreiter's situation from last year where Nita Ryder scored about a 50-point pace with some really nice hot runs, especially on the front end of the year. And in that run, Nita Ryder was playing just 15 minutes a night and on the second power play, like where Jarvis is now. And with Jarvis playing Monday, and it's looking like a tough week to stream in extra games, I don't see why not give him at least a one-game tryout. I had my eye on him for my Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patrons Fantasy League team. That's the Cupful 
kkupfl.com. I had uh, my eye on Jarvis for a couple days, but I don't know what I was waiting for. Someone just grabbed him as I was ready to hit the add button, which is very unfortunate. Um, So you might want to do the same. It, of course, depends on your league format. If Jarvis is going to get you enough games in your lineup this week to make you happy, because there's a lot of busy days this week, uh, then I'd be happy to go along for the ride here with Jarvis. Keep in mind, Nino Niederreiter was rosterable for large swaths of last season. And obviously, I hope Jarvis is going to be even better. I I, I at least hope that Jarvis can be as good. I think that's the reasonable expectation to set for Jarvis vis-a-vis Niederreiter. Um, So as good as Niederreiter for starters would be great. And Jarvis is a nice guy to try amongst the usual guys in the free agency bin who are getting kind of stale at this point of the season where you've probably given a lot of them a turn and Jarvis is like, hey, there's this shiny new toy in the bin. So go for it. I would just make sure if you're going with Jarvis, of course, keep a regular eye out uh, using like our Game Day Lines Twitter account or Frozen Tool to see whether Jarvis is still playing on that top line in Carolina, because I think that's key to his relevance. But while he's there, for sure, go get him. Also, uh, before I throw it back to you, Elon, Jarvis, believe it or not, is the only uh, crossover guy, the only overlap between us and Stream Scheme this week. So if you haven't listened to Dave Benton's Stream Scheme yet, what are you waiting for? Check our show notes for a link straight to it. Yeah, okay. Jarvis, I mean, think of it this way. Also, if you've missed out on Lucas Raymond and you've missed out on Dawson Mercer and you're thinking, man, I keep missing out on these rookies because I wait too long. We're telling you right now, he's only like 3% rostered on Yahoo. <laughs> like, go grab Seth Jarvis because he's on the top line. He's scoring goals. Maybe he'll cool off and you'll swap him away. Or maybe he'll continue to be awesome for the rest of the year and you'll be happy you grabbed him when you had the chance, okay? While we're here in Carolina, let's talk about a couple more hot canes, starting with Martin Natchez, who, after a slow start to the season, has been on fire lately. Eight points in his last seven games, including a goal of his own versus the Kings yesterday. He's obviously not in as great of a spot as Jarvis. Uh, Natchez has been playing with Stahl and Nino Niederreiter on Saturday, as well as on the second power play, but that hasn't stopped him from producing lately. Uh, Natchez now sits at 10 points in 14 games on the season. That's a 59-point pace, pretty close to that 63-point pace that he put up last year. Brian, I'm curious to know, is this around where you expect him to land when it's all said and done, just kind of repeating what he did last year? Or are you seeing anything from this current hot run to indicate that maybe he's found another gear? No, I think this is exactly where I expect Martin Natchez to land. My advice has been from the start, because you've been asking about him because you traded for him, like hold the course with Natchez all year. And I'm glad he's not letting anyone down who's had that faith in him. I think Natchez is still like you're asking if he has another gear. He might. He's just not really going to have the chance to show it off because he still has not been able to infiltrate the top power play unit. But hey, 60 to 65 points is still very nice and a really nice thing to be able to expect from him. High 50 would be fine, but a touch disappointing. So I'm willing to say that he was still so snake bitten for the first bit of the season that he still hasn't made up for all of that yet. So I'm really excited that Natchez appears to be on track. Yeah, he had a really sweet goal in that last game. He, like, he's clearly very talented, but you're right, Brian. Of course, you need to have talent, and then you also need to get that deployment to really become a superstar in the league. And yeah, if you're not on the top power play, it's hard to get to be point per game unless you're obviously Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, then another hot cane, uh, Tony D'Angelo, right? Quietly outpacing that 2019-2020 breakout 64-point pace season as D'Angelo has 15 points in 16 games so far. He's doing even better than that breakout year where we were talking about him all the time. And I feel like this might be the first time we've talked about him on the show. A lot of people were, of course, reticent to use draft cap on him for fear of him like not being able to stick with the team due to like behavioral concerns but people who did decide to roll the dice on D'Angelo are loving life at the moment he's pretty much producing game in game out Brian if you had to bet uh will D'Angelo end up setting a new career high point pace this year the current mark to beat is 64 do you think he's going to beat it so far he's on track to beat it 
Yeah, it's really, uh, like, it's exciting to see Tony D'Angelo. And what a bargain for Carolina to have found that, I mean, there's a reason Tony D'Angelo was a bargain because of uh, all the history and attention that he's drawn to himself. But he's been very quiet this season everywhere, but on the score sheet. And one thing that's helping D'Angelo is that Carolina is just wrecking other teams while D'Angelo is on the ice with a nearly 80% share of the goals scored at five on five. That's ridiculous. Like you expect a good line to have like a 55% share of the goals scored while they're on the ice. While D'Angelo's on the ice, I'm going to say it again, and 80, 80% of all goals scored with D'Angelo on the ice come for Carolina. That's largely thanks to his five on five crew scoring at a crazy rate of five goals per 60 minutes. That's probably 150% of what you'd expect for most players who are playing on like above average top lines. So that's a way above what's already a pretty high bar. And that crazy high bar is being set because uh, he D'Angelo and his teammates are shooting 14% at even strength which is great, but not sustainable. But looking at just D'Angelo and what he's contributing there at five on five, he's scored on over 9% of his last 200 shots that have come since 2019-20. So D'Angelo is actually now starting to look like potentially one of these legit defenseman shooters who are poised, like he could be poised to enter this pretty exclusive group of blue liners who shoot above 8% while playing defense. It's rare to find, but maybe D'Angelo is entering that rarefied air. Uh, So everything is going really well, too well for D'Angelo at five on five, but still very well, even when things are going to regress and pull back. And on the power play, D'Angelo's production is right in line with what he did in his big season, that big breakout with New York. Right now, D'Angelo's on a 77-point pace, and you're asking me, hey, his previous career-high point pace was 64 points. Is he going to blow past that? Uh, You know, I think D'Angelo has a shot at 70, but I I think it's most likely he falls around that 65-point pace again. Um, So, like, I I think it's even odds whether or not D'Angelo surpasses his career-high from the past. Like, don't start thinking he's a 75-plus-point guy yet. But it's really exciting to at least see that he's reclaimed all that fancy value that was lost after last year when he started the season uh, in the NHL and finished it out of the NHL. Yeah, for sure. Like I think that's pretty fair to say even odds on whether he'll be plus or minus 64. Either way, great value for anyone who drafted him. I have like a, you know, happy and sad story for him. The happy news is in Kakupful, he was someone that was put up first in the auction draft and I got him. I paid maybe a bit too much at the time. It felt like 16, I think it was, but yeah, I ended up getting him. So that was great. On the downside, someone grabbed him or maybe had him in my dynasty league. And, you know, this is a cap league and he was signed for, what is it, like a million dollars? And the person was like not someone who's not contending this year and he like posted in the league chat, like anyone want to, you know, know trade me for D'Angelo I'm looking for like a pick and I think I offered a second pick and then he was like I want a first and I was like no nah, I don't think I'm gonna do it like I would obviously that deals off the table now I definitely should have sent a first pick to get Tony D'Angelo that would have been clutch but you know win some you lose some I guess since we're on Carolina still I, I hopefully people are enjoying the Carolina talk they're a very interesting team and on the flip side let's talk about a player who's not doing as well as we'd have expected and that's Tavo Teravainen I'm wondering Brian should Teravainen managers be concerned he's off the top line like I said it's been Jarvis with Aho and Svechnikov Teravainen is playing with like 
like Trocek, you know, so good players, but not like necessarily as good as the top guys. And Turvinen is cold right now. He's pointless in four of his last five games. One of those games, he had two points, but most of the nights over these past couple of weeks, he's been giving you nothing. He started hot, but is now down to a 60 point pace and falling is now like a time to try and trade for him. Like if you think that this is just like a slow stretch, or would you feel more comfortable just leaving him alone and maybe you shouldn't expect too much because you know you were talking about Nechas and how he can't get so high because he's not on the top power play I guess with Tara Vinen, how high can he get if he's not playing with Aho or Svechnikov Exactly. And that's a big determinant for how successful Tevo Teravainen can be. Looking at just himself beyond his deployment, Teravainen looks a little worse this year. He's seeing fewer minutes at five on five. I guess that is deployment related to taking fewer shots per 60. And, you know, Teravainen's never been a terribly dangerous shooter. So it's not a big deal that he's taking fewer shots. But it is a problem now that Teravainen is not playing right now with a guy who can finish like Sebastian Ajo. Um, meanwhile, I should also give Teravainen credit because he doesn't look as bad as his numbers are. He has not scored yet at five on five, zero percent shooting. His points participation is down half at 33%. And his on ice shooting percentage, you know, while D'Angelo's on the ice, seeing his teammates score on 14% of their shots, Teravainen seeing success on just 6% of the shots taken while he's on the ice. So snake bitten there. And Teravainen's been between Ajo and Trocek so far this year as a centerman with a turnstile of wingers taking the other side. But with Trocek and not Ajo, that, that, that's who Teravainen's been with for this cold snap. And I think that's one of the reasons Teravainen is pointless in four of five. On one hand, I'm not encouraged by what I've seen from Teravainen so far this season. On the other hand, if you're ready to gamble that Teravainen is going to be back with Ajo before long, honestly, I expect things to be roughly back to normal for him and that would be a good buy low opportunity but on the other hand now we're at three hands if you're ready to gamble that Teravainen is not going to be back with Aho and you're rostering him I think this might be a good time to try and shuffle him away and off your roster in case he doesn't come back to Aho's line or, or find a way to bounce back with Trocek so I think with Aho Teravainen is probably looking this year like a 65 point player but without the downside is there like 55 give or take five, like I could see Teravainen if he doesn't click with Trocek and whoever the other winger is, I could see it being a really tough season for him. And he might hang out in the 50, 55 point range. We just haven't seen Teravainen play without Aho for a long while, but we know that he needs a finisher. And right now the two best finishers in Carolina, Aho and Svechnikov, they're playing on the same line with Seth Jarvis. So, so long as that holds, I am worried about what Teravainen can bring to the table. Yeah, so I guess it's all up to Rod Brindamore to decide whether or not Teravine is going to be great or not. Because I think the upside is even higher than 65. Like, from the top line, top power play, he could be like a 70-point guy. But it all depends on the deployment. And right now, he's just not getting it. That third piece lately has been Jesper Fast playing with Trocek and Teravine. And so that's not someone who's known to be a great finisher. Uh, okay, so that's it for Carolina. For the next three hot streaks I want to discuss, they're all goalies, okay? And they're all goalies who I've had available to me personally at different points this season in Tier 1 of the Cacupful. And now I need you, Brian, to tell me how much I should be kicking myself for having missed out on all of them because they're all, of course, not available anymore. Let's start in Washington, where at the blink of an eye, Ilya Samsonov has gone from a poorly performing backup to maybe the current starter on a hot run because he's had two straight shutouts versus LA and San Jose on Wednesday and Saturday. Uh, before Wednesday, like before that game, it was a late game, and we had our monthly patron cast, which is a show we do once a month where we answer all the questions from the patrons. This last one was especially long. We had a lot of great questions. 
questions. Uh, but we did have a question from Chris asking us to rank Koskinen, Vanacek, Swayman, and Quick. And I recall talking about how like Vanacek seems really desirable to me because he's been starting two of every three games. He's been doing all right. Samsonov's been bad, so I don't see a reason for Samsonov to take the job back. And then, of course, right after that, he got his first of two shutouts on the week. Uh, so now at this point, I guess Washington is playing once again today, and I don't think the game has started yet. Yeah, they're playing Seattle, so they're probably going to win, and probably, because Seattle's terrible, right? So Vanacek might get a win, and then we'll have to go from there. But at this point, are we back to thinking that it's 50-50, or is it even like Samsonov's net? Because we thought that Samsonov was going to be the starter going into the year, right? Then he just did so badly, and Vanacek did so well that things flipped quickly. What's your current take on the Washington goalie situation and what you would do if you had either of these guys? As we did talk about on the patron cast, which, like, sorry for another little plug in the middle of the app. I promise this will be the last one from me. Uh, but if you want to listen to the patron cast, it's just five bucks. Uh, you can just subscribe as a Patreon, patreon.com slash Kevin Carlson. Uh, we went over for two and a half hours and covered like this crazy range of questions and ideas specifically uh, directed and, and requested by our patrons. Uh, so as we talked about on that patron cast, along with everything else, uh, Samsonov and Vanacek, like I, I said, I think it's a 50-50 split. I mean, it seemed like Samsonov's job to lose going into camp, and he kind of lost it because Vanacek uh, was able to be really competitive in camp and then came out of the gate really strong. What we've seen from both Washington goalies is that they can go on runs, both good runs and bad ones, and I'm not confident yet that either one can hold the net for an extended period of time and I also, from what I'm sensing from the Washington coaching staff, they don't seem to feel particularly strongly about helping one of Samsonov or Vanacek emerge over the other. You know, some teams have their favorites, but I don't think Washington has one yet. So of course, Samsonov is the long-term option in Washington with the most upside, but has yet to deliver any kind of consistently good results. If he can do that, this can all change. But for now, I think it's going to be 50-50, but the edge in Washington always goes to the guy with the hot hand rather than uh, other teams where they kind of blindly alternate between their goalies, regardless of who's playing well or not. So if you're looking for a goalie, Samsonov is the hot hand right now. And I'm curious to see how far he can run with this. I had him high on my draft list going into the season, as you mentioned, Elon, because the talent for Samsonov is supposedly there and Vanacek isn't supposed to be someone who can keep the door shut on giving Samsonov an opportunity. Uh, so I think... This could be a good chance to buy in and then just cut bait once he has a couple bad games and Vanacek takes the net again. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? We have no idea what the future is going to hold. It's super hard to predict goalies. But definitely if before we, you know, you saw Samsonov dropped in your fantasy league and you're like, I'm not interested in this guy. He barely plays. And when he plays, he's bad. Like, keep in mind, he's a, he's on a right now 120 minute shutout streak. And who knows how much longer it'll go. So you definitely want to get on that while you can. Uh, by the way, welcome back, TJ Oshie, to the Caps. Right back to the top power play. We picked up a power play assist on Ovi's first period goal on Saturday. Somewhat surprisingly, though, Oshie bumped Tom Wilson from the top power play and not Connor Sher and Sherry actually also bumped Wilson from the top line mid-game on Saturday, and that was in a two-goal outing for Sherry. So he scored a goal in the first period from the bottom six, and then he scored another goal from line one. So now we're looking at a potential line one, power play one, Connor Sherry, who has five points in his last five games going into his game today against Seattle, where, once again, I've said, like, he's probably going to get another point because Seattle goalies are terrible. We're actually going to talk about them a little bit later on the show. Uh, so, Brian, how appealing is Sherry in this spot with O? 
Ovi and Kuznetsov right now compared to, say, a Seth Jarvis, who's also, like, you know, it's basically the same spot, though actually Sherry's on the top power play. Jarvis isn't, like you've mentioned. So if you had an option to pick one of those guys, you know, putting schedule aside, who interests you more right now between Sherry and Jarvis? I think I'm going to stick with Seth Jarvis. I mean, I, I do remember how great Connor Sherry was with Sidney Crosby way back when he had that 70 point pace season and wasn't even seeing a lot of power play time. Like that was all five on five production. And the next year, Connor Sherry was like a hot commodity in drafts, still playing largely with Crosby and followed up with a 30 point pace and followed that up with 30 to 35 point paces through Sherry's time in Buffalo, where he also did occasionally get turns on the top line, but has always looked like a guy who uh, can't consistently capitalize on or, or hold these kinds of great deployment opportunities. Sherry's current run has come on the back of scoring four goals on nine shots. Of course, that's not something that's going to hold. And frankly, I find it kind of weird that Sherry hasn't picked up an assist with the line mates he has as part of this run. Uh, so that's why I would prefer Jarvis between these two. Sherry's a fine option to try and ride in deeper leagues, but he's not the sort of type that I'd hold just because he's on the top line, top power play, because we've seen him be there and not produce before. So he's got to tick the actually producing box too. Yeah, well, like I said, five points this last five games. Uh, I don't know. I'd love to have either of them. Neither of them are available to me in any of my leagues right now. Uh, I think you definitely need to take a good long look at Connor Sherry while he's there. Obviously, the coach likes him. It's not as if he's just defaulting his way onto the top line, right? Like like Tom Wilson was supposed to be there and he got bumped. Tom Wilson could have also been on the top power play. Uh, so I'm not disagreeing with you, Brian. Like, it's a tough choice. They're both very appealing. But uh, Sherry's definitely someone that I would have strongly on my radar if I had the option in any of my leagues. Obviously, I don't because I'm in tough leagues. Uh, and I guess since we're here in Washington, I'll also give a shout out to Garnet Hathaway, who had a run of five goals in four games before going pointless yesterday. But in that game on Saturday, when he went pointless, he made up for it with nine hits. So uh, no chance that obviously Hathaway keeps up that scoring, but definitely someone to consider in your bangers and mash formats if he's going to give you hits and also has shown some scoring potential, which I never knew he had. So I, to be honest, I, if you would have asked me at the start of the week, what team is Garnet Hathaway on? I might have had to think about it, but here we go. He's on the caps. He's throwing hits and he scores some goals every once in a while. But okay, so I said I'm going to give you three goalie hot streaks. We started with Samsonov. Next, I want to discuss another disruptor to a goalie from Chris's question. Remember, Chris asked me to uh, rank or ask us to rank uh what, what was it so i don't even have it here in front of me vanacek and koskinen and then a couple other guys and i want to talk about Stuart skinner who is currently uh taking a run at koskinen's job right skinner has gotten the last two oilers starts after koskinen got himself pulled versus the jets on tuesday and skinner's been amazing this week he stopped 54 of 55 over his relief and then full appearance versus the jets and then he stopped 29 of 31 shots on saturday in the 5-2 win over chicago brian is it skinner time in Edmonton for the foreseeable future? Like, we never expected Koskinen to be the starter, right? We expected Mike Smith to be the sure starter because Koskinen's not that good. Then Smith got hurt. Koskinen had a bit of a good run. And so we were like, okay, I guess anyone who grabbed Koskinen, good job for you. I guess it's good for you Then you might want to hold on since Smith is going to be injured long-term. But now Koskinen's been struggling a lot lately. Stuart Skinner, who did a great job in the AHL before getting called up, is now really seeming to find his game here in the NHL as well. So is this like another situation like with Washington where you're just going to kind of say it's probably 50-50 or do you think there's a really good chance that Skinner's just taken the job and is going to be able to run with it? Well, let's frame the question here, because if it's not Skinner, then it's going to have to be Koskinen. And looking at Koskinen, he's now put up four consecutive sub-900 appearances, like sub-900 save percentage, which is not out of line for Koskinen in his career. 
he uh, has about a 50% quality start percentage over the course of his career. So like flip a coin. And that's how likely it is that Miko Koskinen is going to give you a quality start in the crease. I feel like Edmonton has no interest in going too deep into battle with Koskinen for any extended period of time, because essentially you're just bailing water when he's in your crease, or that's the way it's been lately anyway. So of course, when Smith was down, there were rumors that Edmonton was looking for outside help, but now maybe they have an inside man. It's Stuart Skinner, who was drafted 78th overall in the third round back in 2013, Skinner's now 23 years old. He came out a junior to play in the ECHL with, with Wichita in 2018-19. And then over the course of a couple of years, the last couple of years, Skinner has emerged as a starter with Edmonton's AHL affiliate in Bakersfield, where most recently Skinner put up a 914 save percentage in 31 games last season. So I think, why not? And I think every start that Skinner uh, has, they should play a little like dinner bell sound right before he comes on the ice, like Skinner time. I think that would be really funny, (laughs) just personally. Um, Between Skinner and Samsonov, like, I think that's a really interesting one. Um, I, I have a slight preference for Skinner, but it's purely a hunch, and, and that hunch is just based on his competition seems worse. Like, I think Vanacek is better than Koskinen. I don't know that Skinner is good enough to, like, hold on to a job uh, over the over time. Like, he has this unknown upside, right? Where Samsonov, we feel like we know his upside, but we also know that he can't string together more than, like, three or four good starts at a time, if that. So Skinner's like the mystery box here. And with the worst competition, that's why I'm ever so slightly leaning to him. But if you want someone who's at least going to get 50% of the starts and hopefully more, then you're probably going to want to look at Samsonov if volume is really going to matter. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd probably go Skidder over Samsonov just, uh, you know, I don't know, for fun. It's also just like Edmonton. It's like you, the goalie has a really good chance of winning almost every game because they score so many goals. And now if Skinner could actually keep doing what he's been doing, it could be a very tasty place to be. Uh, okay, so since we're in Edmonton, uh, let's talk about Darnell Nurse's broken finger that will sideline him for two to three weeks. So that stinks for anyone who's had uh, Nurse. He's been like fantastic. Anyone who drafted him high is not regretting it. Like he's giving you everything that you would have hoped for. Uh, in his absence, Duncan Keith moved up to the top pairing with Bouchard. And 2019 eighth overall pick Philip Broberg was called up and played his first ever game on Saturday and he picked up an assist in uh, 14 minutes and a half of ice time. It'll be really fun I think over the next few years watching Broberg versus Bouchard like just to see like who's going to emerge as like the top defenseman there. Obviously right now Bouchard has the edge but he has more experience. Uh, Interestingly or maybe not maybe it's obvious but Tyson Barry didn't like move up the depth chart at all just because of this glaring hole Uh, in Nurse's absence. Tippett left Barry on the third pairing and gave him under 14 minutes of even strength time on ice in the last game but hey Barry still is on that top power play. He scored a power play goal on Saturday, uh, but that broke a six-game pointless streak. And in my opinion, after a game where Barry scores a goal... At this point, I think I'd be trying to shop him and try to get like really a really good return. Like, don't give him away for nothing. But to me, like just like I said, like a few episodes ago, like I'm nervous about Barry. Like last season when he had this like 70 point pace season, he was getting a decent amount of even strength time, right? Like he had 48 points in 56 games, 23 on the power play, but that also left him with 25 at even strength. And so far this season, he has only five even strength points in 17 games and none in his past seven games uh, with his even strength time declining and declining. Uh, 
Uh, so, Brian, are you with me that Barry's a good guy to try to sell? Especially, you know, if he could hold him for one more game. Let's say he scores, like, again, you know, scores two games in a row. I just feel like, obviously... I'd want to get a sweet return for him, but I'd also be very nervous to hold him just because, you know, just a power play guy could only be so valuable to you. You know, like even if he has 30 power play points, that's still only 30 points. And if he adds another 10 even strength points, I don't know really if you end up anywhere that special. This is the Keith Yandel, right, situation. And we've talked about the danger of Barry getting Yandel. And by the way, just to like go over exactly why Broberg got the bump and not Barry first off... um, Uh, And the basic reason is that Barry plays on the right side and Broberg plays on the left. Uh, But also, even if Barry did play on the left, I I wouldn't have expected him to move up because he he does nothing near what Darnell Nurse can do defensively. And Edmonton would be in big trouble, I think, if they let Tyson Barry try. And if you look at the left side in Edmonton, Man, like it is sparse behind Darnell Nurse. You've got Broberg, who's taken the job. The other guys who can play on the left side, Chris Russell, Duncan Keith, and William Lagasin. And then you look on the right side, and it's actually not that better. You've got Evan Bouchard, solid option, then Tyson Barry and Cody Cece. So a lot of third-pairing defensemen all over that Edmonton depth chart. And for their sake, they better hope that Philip Broberg is up to the task to doing uh, some version of what Darnell Nurse can do. But I know you're asking about Tyson Barry, and I am with you. I mean, it's it's a little different than the Keith Yandel situation, just because Barry is on a power play that routinely scores one or two goals a night, uh, so long as they get three or four chances to do it. Like the Edmonton power play right now, clicking at a 40% conversion rate, which isn't going to hold, but it could conceivably hold because that's how talented it is. So Barry's on this like supercharged, overpowered top power play unit, and that might be his only role, which makes him closer to being worth rostering, even if that is his only role than someone like Keith Yandel. But I agree, uh, it's tricky to own a third pairing defenseman whose only reason to roster is having that top power play deployment. So it might be a good time to go fishing for offers if you do have Tyson Barry and he does get on a run and see what you can pull back. Yeah, I'm definitely not saying he's not like worth rostering. Like I wouldn't be recommending for people to drop Tyson Barry because he does have that potential to score a point every single night because of that power play, like you said. I'm just saying if you could pull like a really nice return for him, you know, go get Elias Pettersson or something who's on a cold streak. We'll actually talk about him in a little bit later. You know, if you could get a really big fish in return, I think now would be a good time to try to do it after he scored a point. And for the record, Ricky in the chat got Pedersen for Tyson Barry. So uh, looks pretty good. That's a, that's a great... I, try it in your leagues. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, or wait till we talk about Pedersen a little bit because I'm going to maybe throw some cold water just like Ben and Lewis have on some recent short shifts episodes. Uh, and I guess also on Edmonton, let's talk about another cold streak here. And that's Jesse Puliarvi. Where is this guy gone? Okay, he started the season with 14 points in his first 13 games. We were talking about him as like, like one of the biggest draft steals that people got. But now he's pointless in his last four games. Brian, is this just a random cold stretch? Nothing to worry about? Or is it something that you think people should be concerned about for Jesse? I don't think anyone needs to be too concerned about Pugliarvi's cold stretch. Uh, you look at what's happening in Edmonton. Not as many goals have been scored with Pugliarvi on the ice in this stretch. And unfortunately, he hasn't gotten in on any of the goals that have been scored. I think three in the last five games at five on five while Pugliarvi's on the ice. In fact, if you look at it this way, uh, Edmonton in their first 10 games uh, was limited to two goals just one time. But over their last seven, Edmonton has scored two goals or fewer in four of their last seven. 
And I think that's all we're seeing happen here. Like Pugliarvi's time on ice is still holding. He's still playing with McDavid every night. I think he's, of course, susceptible to this happening. But honestly, it's no big deal if I'm rostering Pugliarvi. You know, you had some fat times. Now they're followed by some lean times. And they'll be followed by some fat times again. Obviously, we like, or I don't know what you were thinking, Elon. I wasn't thinking Pugliarvi was going to pace for 82 points, even with that early run. You know, times like this are going to happen. And I think, especially for someone who's going to, still play with McDavid the rest of the way. I think that's a fair trade-off for what you're going to get. I have Pugliarvi slated for about 65 points, give or take five. Of course, so long as he sticks with McDavid, but that's the pace I would expect the rest of the season, which might help you to know if you're trying to calm yourself after seeing him go cold over the last few games. Yeah, as long as you're saying that deployment looks the same, like it's time on ice, like it's just he happens to be on the ice for fewer goals and not getting in as many goals, then I'm with you. Like probably nothing to worry about. It's too bad. Here's an idea for a fantasy hockey platform feature. You're talking about the fat times and the lean times. What if you could be like a squirrel and like stow away some points that you don't need right now? Like let's say you could like sort of roster Pugliarvi during the good times and be like, all the points that I get today from him, I want to save that for my next matchup. But maybe you have to decide in advance. I don't know. That might be something fun to play with one time. I also threw another crazy idea of a fantasy uh, feature on the Discord recently that, Brian, you just responded saying this is crazy. But I thought it was a good idea. It was like, what if you can like add, add and drop and move players in and out of roster spots like during the game? Like, How fun would that be? If like midway through a game, if a player's not playing well, you can take him out and put in someone who is playing well that you had on your bench. And obviously, you would need to have a rule to make sure you can can't put more than like 60 minutes of game time in a spot like you can't just play like an east coast player and then drop him for the west coast play anyways i think there's something there especially for goalies that would be a lot of fun if you could pull your goalie midway through the game if they're doing badly but anyway i'm getting off track here i said that i was gonna give you three goalie hot starts so here's the last one in the trilogy and that's jake ettinger on dallas who got called up with holpe nursing a minor injury and he's crushed it in his two starts he stopped 28 of 30 versus detroit and then 35 out of 36 shots yesterday in the 4-1 win over st louis we've decided discussed how complicated the whole situation in Dallas is, but with Hudobin and Holpe like struggling of late and Bishop still stuck in whatever cone of silence he's in, it's becoming extremely apparent, at least to me, that Ettinger is like their best goalie and I think that they know it like I think Rick Bonus knows that if he wants his best chance at winning a game it's to put Jake Ettinger in the net so you'd think that at some point they're just gonna have to figure it out you know on one hand like you might say that oh I don't want to add Ettinger because as soon as Holpe's healthy they're gonna have to send him back down to the minors but on the other hand it's like can they really justify to their fans to send down their clear best goalie at least in my opinion so I'm curious to hear what you think if he's available in free agency in your league like, I think you should add him right now because I just have this hunch that Dallas is going to figure out a way to keep him in on the team. And I think once they do that, I think he's the starter and I think he's going to do really well. I've done it and you should do it to go like I'd pause the pot and go grab Jake Edinger. He's seen limited time, but he's looked really good. And it's a small enough sample that we're not convinced and we're still open to everything going awry. But still, just go get him because there's a decent chance this all works out for Edinger, especially because, you know, his save percentage is good. He's badly outperforming. Uh, so I should say goodly outperforming his expected save percentage too. Remember our preseason take on Edinger, which is that the net should be his, but the star's crease is inexplicably crowded. And this is Edinger's chance to force their hand and say, like, despite all their best efforts to not give him a shot for some reason, He's got a shot and he's going to take advantage of it. Like, I was thrilled. I mean, I feel bad for Anton Hudobin. I'm sure he wasn't happy with that bad start he had after Edinger's first start. But that just opened the door even wider. 
for Ettinger to stroll through and show what he can do. And now I'm like, Dallas should figure out how long can they like keep Holtby like a, a scratch and Bishop, like, can they keep him on IR for a little while longer? No one will know because no one can ask him. But I really don't know what Dallas's plan is here. But the plan, I think, is in the crease right now. Jake Ettinger, Dallas hasn't had a reason to be this excited for a goalie since drafting Jack Campbell 11th overall back in 2010. Now Ettinger, the 22-year-old, they picked 26 overall in 2017. He's their next hope in the crease. And let's hope that the Stars can follow the course better with him. Ideally, beginning now, I think he's already legit the top option of the three healthy or like slightly unhealthy in Holtby goalies in their crease. And in a season that Dallas is fighting the save, I hope Ettinger plays so well, they can't send him anywhere but back into the crease night after night. And I would go add him to your team right now in case he does just that. Yeah, man. Regrets. I have a bunch. They're all about these goalies that we've been talking about. That's exactly the saying. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I altered it a little bit. Okay, uh, since we're on Dallas, John Klingberg continues to struggle. No points in his last three games. Only three points in 12 games on the season now. He's getting lapped by guys who on his team that were supposed to be like depth D. Like Ryan Suter has six points in his last seven games now. Essa Lindell has gotten hot lately. He had two assists versus St. Louis on Saturday, extending his point streak to three games. Brian, are you still holding steadfast in your opinion that Klingberg is a hold and someone to jump on if he's dropped? Like I think we've seen questions on our Discord where people have asked like uh, Klingberg was dropped to Adam and you I've seen you right you know like yeah definitely go grab him and for good reason like he was so great last year uh but like is it time that we need to start changing our mind or is this going to be like a chicken situation where as soon as I come on a pod and say I'm kind of over this guy he's going to start getting hot right away Let's hope so, right, Team Klingberg? I I think maybe this season, I've said this already, is looking more like a 50-point campaign rather than the upside from Klingberg that we'd like, which is 55, 60 points. But you look at his numbers, Elon, and I'm still, like, not convinced this is has to be a lost season for Klingberg and that there's no like there's reason to roster him he sells no goals on 22 shots at five on five he has no secondary assists at five on five he has no power play points at all none of this is sustainable for Klingberg this is unsustainably bad but I also know like aren't we all so sick and tired of holding underperforming Dallas stars so I get it And if you want to let him go until things get going and you think he's going to safely stay in free agency and defensemen are easy to come by, go for it. You have my blessing. If he's already in free agency, no one's touching him, fine. You don't have to rush to grab him. But I I still feel pretty strongly that in 10 or 20 games from now, it's going to be a situation where if you didn't get him when you had the chance, you might be at least a little sorry. Like you might not be crushed you didn't get him, but I think you might be a little sorry you didn't get him. So like you could play dangerously and swap Klingberg out for a suitor or Essa Lindell, but like I I personally wouldn't. W- would you? No, I guess I'd hold on, but it would be frustrating, right? But, you know, you talked about how people might be tired of holding on to slumping stars. Uh, the people who held on to slumping Rupe Hints, or should I say Rope Hints, as Ben and Lewis discussed in the last short shifts, uh, the people who held on to slumping Rope are very happy right now. He has seven points in his last six games. So hopefully Klingberg will do the same, but uh, I don't know. I'm gonna, you know, he's not on the top power play, right? Like most teams, you don't hold the top power play defenseman like as if they're gold and expect 50 points. So he's just like, he's based on some great history and I think he'll not be nothing. But I think even this like 50 points that you're saying would be like really nice for someone who's not getting more than 50% of the power play time. 
True. Uh, like, but he just needs something to have it. Like, no power play points is not the way. And I still think he can work himself back up to being like the, the top power play defenseman, although it does look like Dallas is pretty committed to uh, not really having a top power play defenseman, which is why I said, like, I'm not looking at the highest upside, like the high end of, of his upside, but I am still hoping that he can hit 50, even 45. I still think he's a worthwhile guy. Uh, there's a lot of leagues where you can't get a 45 de- point defenseman just like that. So I, I grant that he doesn't look as good as I wish he did, but I still think that there will come a point where he's rosterable. But yeah, also grant, as I said, like I hate like, Dallas. What a frustrating team. I mean, hey not for me right now i grabbed uh jamie ben a long while back when someone else got frustrated and dropped him he has like what like five goals in his last seven That's games or something. so He's weird amazing i love <laughs> yeah. him did it, didn't i say on the show at the beginning of the year that jamie ben's gonna have a huge resurgence season i feel like i must have said that no i definitely <laughs> said the opposite uh by the way miro haskinen's cold right now one point in his last four games for what it's worth but anyway all right that's it for these goals actually i'll give you a bonus goalie but just in a sec okay we're gonna go do a quick ad break to you know let our sponsors try to tell you some reasons why they think you should buy their products. Uh, so then we're going to have that. Then I'm going to give you a bonus goalie hot streak. Then we're going to play Keeping Carlson Would You Rather. So we're going to be back with all that in just a sec. You're listening to Keeping Carlson. All right. We are back for the second half of the show, or maybe the last two-thirds of the show. We'll see how long it takes us to get through all of this. But I can't stop, okay? If you think the show is a bit long, it's because I just want to give you everything that I can. Uh, but I think that uh, I need Brian's opinions, right? And I want to do one bonus goalie hot streak. And that's over in St. Louis, the team that Dallas beat on Saturday. And specifically, the goalie that Dallas beat was Jordan Binnington, who's been really struggling as of late, right? His loss to Dallas yesterday was his fourth non-quality start in a row, according to Frozen Tools. He's led in three plus goals in five of his last six games. He's like just not helping you if you have him on your fantasy team. Meanwhile, Vili Huso was on the COVID list for most of the year. He like had a shutout. It was amazing. Then went on the COVID list. And then he finally came off and he shined in his start versus San Jose Anthony. Thursday. He stopped 26 of 27 in a 4-1 win. And I even saw a quote from Coach Barube basically saying, uh, here's the quote. It was a tweet by Jeremy Rutherford. He said, it's important that both goalies play well. When we have success, that's what we have going on. So Binner will get a break, work on some things, get a breather, and hopefully Huso can hold the fort for us. So I don't know. What that means to me is, I'm not saying that, you know, I'm expecting Huso to like take over as a volume starter or anything, but I think that Huso's going to get some games, especially with how well he's been doing and how badly Binnington has been doing. So, you know, I don't want to, you know, panic people too much and say it's time to drop Binnington. Like, I wouldn't recommend that. But at the same time, at least for the short term, Vili Huso is looking super appealing at the moment. Yeah, super appealing might be a stretch. Huso has looked really good in limited action this year, and I just waxed poetic for Jake Ettinger, who pretty much has played as well in a similarly low sample size. Uh, but Edinger doesn't have the same history Huso does, which is uh, Huso last year looking not good at all in 34 games of action. Huso was a guy once upon a time that we saw as an heir apparent to the crease in St. Louis. And then Bennington came along, just leapfrogged him. And there's been no looking back. And Huso has never really even met his own potential, let alone been someone to compete with Bennington on a regular basis. And I also think, like, I, I know Bennington's been, uh, like, cool lately, but he's looked good this season on the whole. 
in preseason, I shared why I still think in Smart Goalies Board, why Bennington should still be a, a solid fantasy option to roster because he is actually a good goalie. But this season, I, I think his struggles have been on the penalty kill and that's hurt his overall numbers. And I, I'm hoping he can improve there because the penalty kill can be quite random for goalies. I, I believe Craig Berube when he says that maybe every so often, Huso's going to start a couple in a row, especially if he's winning. But I really, like you said, super excited about Huso. I'm not. I don't think this signal anything longer term about Bennington about like imminently losing his clear number one status sure like I'm glad you're bringing it up let's keep an eye on things but if I'm a Bennington manager I am not uh, I'm not I'm not alarmed yet yeah I mean I'd be a little bit alarmed like for next week you know like I think Huso might get a couple of the four games when maybe normally you'd expect Bennington to get three of them but yeah I think long term obviously the plan is for Bennington to be the starter but also I'd grab Huso maybe like wait until he's announced to be the starter the next time he's going to play but he's on a hot run right so grab Huso when you could spot start him and who knows if he has a good game maybe they give him a second one in a row to see if he can keep it up uh, but again that's a very short term play all right Brian now to play the much heralded uh, and I'm just saying that I don't know if it's true but uh, I'm excited at least to play would you rather with you so i'm going to do some dueling hot streaks and cold streaks and then you'll say who you'd rather have and to start it off i'm going to do a hot streak versus three cold streaks on the same team with a higher level of like it would be surprising if you took that player but that's the way it's going to be i'm going to do troy terry versus the canucks okay so on the hot side you know i have to do it troy terry continues to get points every single game his point streak is now at 16 games in a row he has 22 points in that span i don't need to give you any more deals everyone we've been talking about it every week right troy terry is the talk of the league only Connor mcdavid has a point streak right now as long as troy terry and they're in a battle to see who's going to lose it first uh so on the other side we've got the canucks okay so first of all i'm gonna go from like the lowest level of surprise to the highest level of surprise so first of all brian Bo. Horvat. Pointless in six games, only 10 points in 18 games on the season. That's like a 46-point pace. So would you rather Troy... T- I don't know, should I do one at a time or should I say... All- I'll just say all three, okay? Then you could go in order. But like, if you say that you'd rather have Troy Terry than Bo Horvat, then I'm going to raise you and say, okay, in that case, would you rather have Troy Terry or Brock Besser, who is pointless in five games himself, only eight points in 18 games on the season. So barely above a half point per game and then if you say yeah you'll take troy terry over brock besser then i'll just have to ask you we'll have to go for gold here troy terry or elias petterson because petterson has been like a bust so far he has only one assist in his last five games only 10 points in 18 games on the year that's less than a 50 point pace so troy terry versus horvat then besser then petterson who would you rather have I love this. Like, this is a classic Elon edition of Would You Rather. Like, first, it's like, Would You Rather Troy Terry? And then, like, Oh, no, I'll, I'll present the other options. Okay, Would You Rather Troy Terry? Or any of these three other, usually it's just two, but I'm gonna, I'm, I, I love it. And I will happily indulge in this triple Would You Rather scenario. So you're asking me about Troy Terry versus three Vancouver Canucks. As a whole, let's just make a sad face about what's happening in Vancouver. Uh, they are like a little bit unlucky. They're shooting uh, less than 7% at five on five. But Vancouver has also been one of the worst teams at five on fives this, this year in, in generating quality opportunities. And they're in this tailspin right now that's been well documented. We don't need to go into it. I, I'm, I was trying to think of like a good analogy of another time I've seen a team in this bad a tailspin. I'm wondering if it's even not quite as bad as the Buffalo losing streak last year, because that was kind of expected in Buffalo. Um, I'm wondering if maybe a good anal- an analog for what's happening in Vancouver is like the this slow start for Toronto this year, 
when the sky was falling and Marner needed to be traded, except this is going on longer and longer as in like six or seven years, potentially. Anyway, what's happening in Vancouver is going to impact everyone. And I'll take it from, I'll start with Pedersen, who at five on five has some like poor variance. His his points participation is half of what it should be. Uh, He's generally a 15 to 20% shooter. He's yet to score on 19 shots at five on five. And while he's on the ice, Vancouver's only scoring on five and a half percent of the shots they take. And all of that has added up to just two points at five on five so far this season for Elias Pettersson, which is awful. Thank goodness he's got those six power play points to save his totals. But it has been ugly for Pettersson. And there's some signs of concern under the hood just about where he's shooting from and how often he's shooting. So I would still prefer Pettersson to Terry. Brock Besser, uh, well, he's been on the ice for exactly three goals at five on five this year through 15 games. And to Besser's credit, he's picked up a point on two of those goals. He scored one of them and had the primary assist on the other. But there just hasn't been a lot to work with while he's on the ice. He and his teammates are shooting three and a half percent at five on five. And Besser, unlike Pedersen, is missing that power play production. He has only two power play points uh, on the six power play goals he's been on the ice for. So that's that's also low participation for Besser. But his own numbers, unlike Pedersen, he looks okay. This is just a lot of really bad variants. And then Bo Horvat has a 6% on ice shooting percentage, but he hasn't missed a beat at five on five uh, with the way he's scoring there. But he has only two power play points, including a goal on 13 power play shots which is like a third of what we'd expect him to score if we were to regress him to his usual 20% power play shooting percentage. And Horvat, like Besser, also still looks pretty good in his own number. Okay, so so that's Pedersen, Besser, and Horvat. Like, they all have room for variance to get them back on track. But I do have some real concern for Pedersen, who looks a little lost out there. Just some short-term concern. I mean, it was kind of a messy preseason with uh, with his contract hassles. And I, I wonder if this is actually a really good time to shoot for him in a keeper or dynasty, where you don't have to worry about the short-term, and you can just look and get excited about the long-term with Pedersen. Because in the short-term, things just aren't great. And I, I think they'll turn around at some point. I'm just not sure when. Uh, comparing them all to Troy Terry. I think Troy Terry can keep up with Horvat. I think Troy Terry can possibly keep up with Besser. And right now, I would rather have Troy Terry than Elias Pettersson, but I don't think I'm going to be saying that at, say, the game 40 or, or 50 game mark of the season. So uh, there's there's the would you rather. How did I do? I think that's fair, right? Like, I think they're, it's like, it's so hard to predict, right? Like, Troy Terry is just like completely different player than we've ever seen him be so far. And he is like seemingly the go-to guy on Anaheim. So it's like in a similar spot as Pedersen is on Vancouver. But of course, we've seen from Pedersen like so many seasons now of like this like super high-end elite potential. Uh, so yeah, I think it would be too hard for me to give up Pedersen for Terry. Uh, but yeah, with the other two at this point, yeah, maybe I'll just take the safe bet and Terry who's good. And then yeah, maybe in 40, 50 games, you regret it. But Hopefully by then you got a lot of wins in the meantime. Too bad you can't like short a stock. You know, like in stock, you could like, if you expect a stock to like go down at some point, you could like short. I wonder if like you could do that with like a Troy Terry. Though I guess at that point that you're like kind of betting against him, which I think we're at a point where we don't want to do too hard because he just keeps on putting up points. So I think, all right, hopefully that was helpful. Uh, I enjoyed that very much. So let's go. I'm going to try to jump around also in terms of like percent rostered for these would you rather decisions. So obviously these are high end guys that for some people, they just like are unavailable in all leagues unless you want to consider trying to make a trade. Let's 
let's go like to the very other end. Two players who might be available, but sticking on Anaheim, we've got to talk about uh, Hampus Lindholm, who I don't know if people have noticed, but he's taken over Jamie Drysdale's power play time on ice lately. Drysdale's gotten no power play time at all in his last three games, and Hampus Lindholm has been on that unit. It's like Fowler and Shattenkirk on one power play, and then Hampus Lindholm on the other. So first of all, Jamie Drysdale, to me, complete snoozer in one-year leagues, like for as long as this lasts. The only re- like, even when he was cold, I was still kind of interested in him just because he was getting a lot of power play time. That's all gone. So, you know, I would just, you know, drop him and then maybe consider adding him back if something changes. In the meantime, how about Hampus Lindholm? Seems like he's taking advantage. He has three points in his last four games, including a power play assist. Uh, so I'm going to put my would-you-rather of Hampus Lindholm versus another top power play guy who is super cold in Rasmus Anderson only one assist in his last eight games going into today despite quarterbacking what should be like a really strong top power play Uh, though I do see that Calgary is playing Boston right now they're in the third period and Rasmus Anderson does have an assist at even strength from a Noah Hannafin goal Uh, almost a schmoll but Matthew Kachuk was there with another assist so Brian who would you rather have at this point the cold Rasmus Anderson who's maybe slightly less cold after an assist today or the much hotter but also normally not relevant at all Hampus Lindholm I would rather have Hampus Lindholm we like Hampus Lindholm we always have and I have a feeling we always will maybe I should say I I feel like I've always been a pretty yeah. big Hampus Lindholm fan even going back I feel to like his... I've been more like I just don't think about him at all <laughs> <laughs> well I, that's how it's been for the last couple of years but there were several years including his time in Carolina where I thought about Hampus Lindholm a lot and I wanted such good things for him uh, he's been a good short-term play before and I mean like before before it's been a while since he's gotten a fancy relevant look because he's been in Anaheim hasn't been on the top power play but now Anaheim is a good place to be and he's getting on the top power play interesting that he's getting on the top power play ahead of Cam Fowler as the next option after Drysdale although maybe it's not so surprising because Fowler's never been great there and uh, has never really been challenged so well, this could- if I could interrupt for a second I'll just yeah. say that like Fowler and Shattenkirk have been on the other power play together and they've been really doing well so it might just be a matter of not wanting to break up something that's working okay yeah so maybe Hempis Lindholm will be will be short-lived on the top unit it could be fun, though. I'm interested in Lindholm uh, getting a turn on what's the fourth-ranked power play in the NHL, although that is, like you said, largely thanks to the unit that has Shattenkirk on it. But why not take a spin? Because Rasmus Anderson just does not turn my crank. I've never really been bought into holding Anderson for any substantial stretch of time. It doesn't take much for me to want a guy over him. So I will go Hampus Lindholm, but I could see both of them uh, just being back in free agency in uh i don't know one to two weeks time if not less yeah at any time drysdale could take that spot back because he is the heir apparent uh eventually by the way let me just give a quick injury update here i think i jinxed connor sherry when i said he's like for sure gonna get a point tonight against seattle uh turns out he's injured and he's not even gonna play uh so he's day-to-day with an upper body injury according to caps pr thanks shams for letting us know in the chat here so uh yeah i guess all of our talk about connor sherry i'm still into him but not if he's injured so hopefully he's come back soon I also need to, uh, like, I misspoke. I was getting so excited about Hampus Lindholm that I said he played for Carolina. He didn't. That was a lot. Well, he's been on home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hampus <laughs> has been on Anaheim the whole time. Yeah. 
All right. So next, would you rather, I want to compare a hot player on Tampa Bay versus a very cold player on Minnesota that we talk about far too much, but we just got a tweet today saying that, I guess, just like the sky is blue and the grass is green, uh, keeping Carlson is getting it wrong about Kevin Fiala. So Fiala is the cold streak here. He continues to struggle, only two assists in his last five games going into today. And I believe that this Minnesota game is now over. Tampa. Oh, it was actually Tampa Bay against Minnesota, so that's convenient. Uh, so Fiala had... Oh, a goal and an assist. All right, scrap the whole segment. Huh. But, <laughs> huh. So it was weird also because the reason why I brought Fiala up, well, like I, before, I wasn't really planning to, but then I saw that there was this weird thing where on Saturday's game, Fiala didn't even get power play time, like not on power play one or power play two. And I was like, what is going on? Like, do, should we be even more concerned that just Coach Eveson really hates him? But I guess today he did get back on a power play. Let's see, were these, uh, he had a goal and he had an assist, neither of them on the power play, but he did get power play time, so that's good. Anyways, let's finish the exercise. I want to compare him to another player who's doing really well. That's Alex Killorn, who's on a run of 14 points in his last 12 games from his line with Stamkos and Matthew Joseph. And then, so today, Killorn, I'll bet you he got a point. Tampa Bay scored four times and Killorn... This is exciting podcasting. One assist. There you go. Keeps the streak alive. So yeah, he's just been really great. I know at one point earlier in the season, Brian, you were saying how you don't expect Killorn to like keep it up. And like, why should he, right? He was even off the top power play for a bit. Uh, now with Braden Point injured, which is like kind of new breaking news and probably the real story here in Tampa Bay. Uh, sucks for them, by the way, because they're already down Kucherov. Now you're down Point. Uh, all you need to do is lose Palat and you lose your whole top line from the playoff run last year. Good thing they still have Stamkos. So hopefully I'm not jinxing him. They still won today, so... Look at that. Uh, but yeah, so Killorn's obviously going to get that top power play. Now opportunity. I don't know how much how great it is now that point isn't there. But yeah, so Killorn's doing great. Fiala was struggling, did have a good game today. Who would you rather have between the two moving forward? Well, this will come as no surprise because as, what was it? The water is blue? <laughs> what is the sky I, don't know, I just blue? made this up. I, I don't oh. think I exactly quoted the tweet correctly. Okay. We're basically saying that we're wrong about Viala a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh, at Cy Butterfree saying death and taxes and Elon being wrong about Fiala. Why, <laughs> why is it like Brian's the one who's like a beauty and then it's Elon the wrong being wrong about Fiala? I think Brian loves Fiala more than me. I think I do, actually. So I, unless it's like Fiala is going to prove you wrong for doubting him and prove me right for having faith in him. Like you, everybody knows I'm, I'm a big Kevin Viala fan. He had some snark for his coach on Saturday night about his deployment. There's a post game quote posted by Michael Russo, who was like, uh, like someone asked him why he's not getting better deployment, like top line or top power play. And he's like, I don't know. Haven't talked. The coach hasn't told me. And, uh, like, I don't love what's going on in Minnesota with Fiala. I don't know what the deal is either. Like, he was a top prospect when Nashville drafted him and never got a crack there. And then Paul Fenton, remember, he moved from night, got a job with Minnesota, like, set the whole franchise on fire. But the one thing he did do was acquire Kevin Fiala. And um, it's really weird that the only guy that's ever gone to bat for Kevin Fiala is, like, persona non grata with any NHL front office. So... Very strange situation overall. I I still believe. I, how can I not? And I'd rather him than Kalorn, who, like, let's give Kalorn credit. Incredible what he's done before tonight's game. Kalorn had 16 points in 17 games, and only one of those 16 points came on the power play. So it's all even strength production. Alex Kalorn is one of the top even strength producers in the NHL this year from like not a very exciting line. And what Kalorn is doing is he's riding some very high percentages and there's nothing meaningful looking to have, to have changed about Kalorn's game. 
which is why I would still prefer Fiala because there's nothing that either like seems to have changed about Fiala's game, but Fiala's game has been awesome in the past and Cologne's has been eh. So I would still rather Kevin Fiala. Okay. I guess I'll agree, but I don't know. Like, it's getting very close. Like, Killorn is, like, really doing well. Uh, by the way, the lines have changed, right? So with this point injury, I said that Killorn was playing with Stamkos. So today, it was Killorn with Matthew Joseph and Anthony Sorelli, and then Stamkos with Palat and Alex Barry-Boulet, who was called up from the minors. Uh, so Barry-Boulet is, once again, someone to watch. Uh, Killorn was on the top power play with Stamkos, Palat, Sorelli, and, of course, Victor Hedman. So that's the situation. But yeah, I guess, like, obviously, Fiala has the higher upside based on what we saw at the end of last year, but Killorn seems like a very steady save like i think killorn like you could lock him in for like 60 ish points maybe even 65 points while fiala is gonna have like cold runs where he's like not producing but then also the potential for like a really super hot run and i love the shots on goal so that's what's gonna put fiala over the edge for me so i'll agree with you right how can i not agree with you you're obviously the fantasy hockey robot for a reason by the way jared spurgeon is injured on the wild so that has given jonas brodeen some power play time he's not exactly like capitalizing like hampus lindholm has but uh i don't know if you're in a super deep league and you want some d you can go for bro dean though really like uh the top d man lately for minnesota has been alex goligoski the ageless alex goligoski who i remember discussing in like season one of keeping carlson we used to talk about him and how he's like a really solid producer on what team was he on like was it dallas I don't know. You have to go back to see what team Goligoski was on back. Yeah, it was Dallas. Yeah, and he had like a 41 points in 81 yeah. game season. I remember I used to use him as my example of value over replacement, where it was like a 60 point forward, or do you grab like, you know, Alex Goligoski in the draft, who like is 20 points less, but compare him to replacement defenseman versus replacement forwards. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Goligoski had two assists today versus Tampa, had an assist versus Florida yesterday. On Thursday, he had a goal and two assists versus Dallas. Like, this guy just keeps putting up points. I don't know if he's going to keep it up, but uh, for as long as he does, I think I'd take him over Jonas Brodin. And by the way, Goligoski also got a decent amount of power play time today on its power play with him and Matt Dumba, which I guess technically you'd expect to be the second power play because it was also with Marcus Foligno, Ryan Hartman, and Frederick Goudreau. But that unit actually got more time just by a little bit over like Zuccarello, Fiala, Kaprizov, Ek, and uh, Brodin. So I'm just throwing a bunch of names to you. I don't really have a question, Brian, but uh, just interesting to see what's going on in the Minnesota D. Yeah, that's just, I think that's just a hiccup that ice time, you know, just one line was on for longer. Uh, you know, Brodin, like, I don't know. If you're trying to chase a Minnesota power play quarterback, it reminds me of the Islanders, where it's it's been a long time since we've seen worthwhile blue line production coming from the point in Minnesota. Like I always have time for at least a look at a top power play quarterback, but there's not much pedigree or track record here to suggest that Jonas Brodin is going to be great in this spot. Honestly, I should probably like downgrade my excitement for Lindholm earlier too, because I, I I probably think of them pretty similarly. At the end of the day, I would uh, I'm with you. I think I'd go Goligoski over Brodeen. Uh, by the way, I feel like Goligoski is like the defensive version of Alex Killorn, just like by how long they've been around for and how they're like always these like contributors on the periphery and sometimes get hot. And I also um. I'm glad, like, you bringing up that Goligoski used to be with Dallas was like a trip down memory lane. I don't know if you remember, but Goligoski started his career with Pittsburgh, and he was traded. Do you remember who he was traded for? Uh, Dallas and Pittsburgh. Is James Neal involved here? James Neal and Matt Niskanen. Huh. Yeah. that. So there was that trade and another straight-up defense trade. It was uh, the Avalanche trading Kevin Shattenkirk to St. Louis for Eric Johnson. Those are, like, two, like, almost straight-up trades that happened – I think around a similar time that I feel like still uh, 
like had it had a big impact on all those guys careers and those teams uh yeah, anyway sure. just uh fun to remember some traits Right now, actually, Matt Niskanen is kind of like my ops. I don't really like him because I drafted him late in my Dynasty League, like first year draft a couple years ago. And then after I drafted him, he announced his retirement. And I was like, come on, you were supposed to be like a solid depth D for me over on Washington. Why'd you have to retire? Why couldn't you let us know a little bit earlier? Pulled a Corey Crawford there. But okay, back to uh, the here and now. And let's stick on Minnesota. So I mentioned quickly Matt Dumba, but let's actually get a would you rather with him going because Dumba is super cold right now. And he started the season on fire. He had nine points in his first 11 games but he's since gone pointless in six and i wrote that before today's game the trick of uh, doing a sunday podcast where you prep in the morning and record at night let's see what did dumba do today he got an assist okay so getting off the schneid at least picking up an apple i wanted to compare him to jacob chicken who i brought up earlier who's finally heating up after i was ready to leave him for dead right i came on the podcast and i was like i'm ready to just like say i'm not expecting a lot of points from chicken this year he now has two goals and two assists in his last four games so if you're in a shallow league and you have Matt Dumba, and if Chikrin is sitting in free agency, is that a swap that you would make? Yes, absolutely. I think now's a good time to get Jacob Chikrin, who, uh, if you remember, on the last show, I talked about just how poorly the Arizona Coyotes had been doing with Chikrin on the ice, and that I still had faith he could be a 40-point guy. Like It was laughably misfortunate, except for Chikrin and anyone who rosters him. But yes, absolutely. For me, that that's not even a, a second thought. Chikrin is regaining some fantasy value with what he's been doing lately. His shots never changed. He just needs some luck to turn. He's not going to be who he was last season, but he's still going to be rosterable. And that's more than I can say about Matt Dumba. Oh, okay. I thought that maybe you'd be a little bit higher on Dumba after that hot start. He used to be a guy that we thought had super high upside, but obviously yeah. those times are gone. <laughs> he's let me down a lot since then. That's fair. I actually traded him in my Dynasty League for Dawson Mercer last summer. That's obviously worked out really well for me so far, especially with Mercer on an ELC. Mwah. Okay, swapping back to deeper leagues, and we're on Arizona. So let's talk about another Coyote making waves in Lawson Krauss, who's picked up points in three straight games, has six points in his last seven. And in a Bankers League, he's also helping you with hits. So Krauss definitely needs to be included in our Would You Rather game. And I'm going to once again pit him against three players, since you loved it so much when I did it for... Vancouver. So let's compare Lawson Kraus to three cold streak LA Kings in Dustin Brown, Alex Iafalo, and Phil Deneau. All three of those guys were looking good earlier on in the year, but now Brown is pointless in five. Iafalo is pointless in three. Deneau has a lone assist in his last five games. And while, uh, and by the way, LA is playing today, so this will once again be the kind of thing that's totally out of date by the time you listen to this podcast. But uh, while Iafalo and Deneau are at least holding their spots on the second line with Athena CU, Dustin Brown has actually been bumped all the way to the bottom six. He played with Trevor Moore and Rasmus Kupari on Saturday, while Adrian Kempe took Brown's spot over on the top line with Kopitar and the recently returning Victor Arvidsson and Adrian Kempe scored a couple goals on Saturday uh, Brown's on the second power play lately also he used to be a like Dustin Brown used to be top line top power play guy with Kopitar and that's why I liked him even when he started this cold streak I thought to myself Dustin Brown I mean whatever he's gonna bounce back he takes shots he's playing with Kopitar he's gonna be great but now he's not playing with Kopitar at any times not at even strength or, nor on the power play so I dropped him actually in tier one of the couple so not to put my finger on the scale here but yeah I have follow and to know a little bit better deployment like I said but still doing nothing so Brian are you at a point where you'd consider dropping any or all of these three slumping kings for a streaking Lawson Krauss or someone of his ilk 
well, let's focus on Lawson Chris specifically, who's been on our radars a lot this season, right? There's been some ups where it's like, go get him. I think uh, on short shifts, they've also given him a lot of love for his hot streaks, which is great. Like, Chris has been good, and then he goes quiet, and then he's good again, which is where he's at now. So you're asking me about these three LA Kings who maybe Krause's value exceeds right now. First off, Dustin Brown, third line, scary for Dustin Brown. The 37-year-old played just 10 minutes last night. Before that, Dustin Brown had a run of playing games where he was seeing like still two minutes per night less than he had been earlier in the year. So this has been like a slow but steady slide to where Dustin Brown has landed in minutes and line deployment. But the thing is that Brown's five-on-five production had been good to date, but he just has no power play points, which is hitting him hard. Do you know he's shot nearly 30% on the power play for the last four or five years, but Dustin Brown has no goals on 11 power play shots so far. So that's hurting him. And honestly, without this deployment slide, I'd have said, don't worry, just wait. But Dustin Brown's age, mixed with his line, mixed with his dropping time on ice, I am a little worried. If he gets out of the doghouse, I'd want to hop on him pretty quick. But while he's in it, I have no interest in Dustin Brown. Alex Ayafalo has never been a consistent threat for more than 50 points, but he is on a 65-point pace. And so I'm surprised you brought him up, even though he's been cold for the last few games. Um I don't think... Well, yeah, that's the point of this segment. I'm bringing up guys who are on cold streaks right now. Well, okay, but he was really good, like... 65 point well, yeah. pace is really good for Alex I follow because <laughs> I'm like being defensive like just because it's the segment that I made up but like <laughs> like I would have never brought Alex I follow up at all if he hadn't had that hot streak to start the year because otherwise obviously you drop I follow for some hot players so sure. that's why now he might be in people's lineups and now I'm asking if they should drop him now that he's cold and now you'll say whether or not you agree okay Sorry. so yeah <laughs> okay I think that I would hold I follow over Kraus even though I just said like he's never been better than 50 points. He looks pretty good this year. And I I think better than 50 points is reasonable to expect. Maybe even 55, maybe even 60 from Ayafalo. I like what I'm seeing. He also has three shots per game. So that makes him pretty rosterable and gives you some of those peripheral contributions that like would be the reason you'd add Lawson Krauss. Phil Dano, I mean, you call him cold, Elon, and I call him Phil Dano. He's on a 43-point pace right now. The 50-point pace would be nicer, for sure, but consistent and relevant production is not something we've ever fully expected from Dano. So uh, those three kings, I would take Kraus over Dano for sure. I would take him in the short term, like I'd swap him out for Brown and then swap them back when Brown gets his deployment back, and I'd hold Ayafalo over Kraus. Okay, fair enough. I mean, Dano, who I, I like, I like the Dano, very uh, American, I guess. But yeah, Dano is uh, had a really hot run, right? That's why I thought maybe like might be a situation where like he came in a new situation away from Montreal. He was able to really show off his offensive chops. He had like what was it like? Was it a run of like uh, like seven points in seven games or something? But yeah, pointless in his last three. And I guess you're saying that you don't believe that what he was doing before was sustainable. Sounds like uh, I think we're probably pretty much in agreement. I've got Dano right now on my cupful team, and yeah, I could see myself dropping. Dropping him for Lawson Krauss next week. Unfortunately, Arizona doesn't have the best schedule next week. I think they only play two times. But at some point, I'd love to give Lawson Krauss another swing. And by the way, I brought up Adrian Kempe before. Let me just mention, like, he's for sure, like, the easy add over all four of these guys, right? Like, uh, fo- line one, power play one. Basically the same spot that I said I was excited about Dustin Brown for. Six goals in his last eight games. Is it, like, a no question that if Kempe is available, then forget about any of, like, I followed to know, like, Brown, uh, Lawson Krause, and probably a lot of other guys we've talked about on this episode. Connor Sherry. 
Yes. Well, especially because Sherry's injured now. But even if he wasn't, I'd want Adrian Kempe. He's doing that thing he does again. 15 shots in Kempe's last three games, including six goals in his last nine games on 30 shots. I love it when Kempe does this. Uh, it never lasts, and he's useless when he doesn't. But when he is, you just got to go get him. Uh, he goes on these tears, and he's really fun to have for as long as it goes. Just keep an eye, because usually, uh, if you're not paying close attention, you are snoozing on him for a few games when this all does peter out. But for now, I like him a lot. Yeah, and don't forget the times when it hasn't lasted in the past. It's because Dustin Brown's taken that spot back. But like you said, Dustin Brown's 37 years old. He's not going to stay on the top line forever. So who knows? Maybe this is the moment that Kempe, the torch is finally getting passed and Kempe is the new Dustin Brown on the top line and power play with Kovacar. I don't know. I'm not basing that on anything, but it's got to happen at some point, right? Uh, okay. And since we're like talking about Arizona, because we were talking about Lost and Cross, let's do one more Arizona. Would you rather? Let's go back to goalies, Brian. And I want to do a Scott Wedgwood versus Philip Grubauer. Would you rather? This is a question that that before the season, I would have laughed you out of the room if you said that I would ask. But hear me out. Grubauer, he's been brutal, right? He's played 14 games, has only four wins, has an 875 save percentage. He's playing again today versus Washington. I'm seeing it's already one nothing for Washington. We're not even halfway through the first period. Tom Wilson scored a goal assisted by Kuznetsov. So we'll see how badly I'm seeing like one goal against on two shots so far for Grubauer. So a typical Grubauer start. Uh, the worst part of all of this Grubauer badness is that the talk of the town is that Seattle has actually been playing well defensively and they're just like not getting good goaltending it's like when Devin Dubnik was doing badly on Minnesota right and everyone was like Minnesota's a good team they just need an average goalie and like he wasn't able to provide it and right now Grubauer is doing the same and Chris Drieger not doing any better by the way he had four goals against on 13 shots before getting pulled against the Avs on Friday uh and then compare him to Scott Wedgwood someone who wasn't even in the league at the start of the year but uh, all of a sudden, he's taken over as the starter on Arizona, it seems. He's been getting starts more often than Carol Vague Malka recently. And Wedgwood has been money since joining the Coyotes. He had one goal against on 34 shots in the 2-1 win over Detroit yesterday. He's had five starts now. He's won three of them for Arizona. That's an impressive feat, winning, winning more than half your starts for the Coyotes. Two or fewer goals against in four of those five games. In the game where he led in more than two goals, he led in four goals versus Columbus. And that was on Thursday and that was on 46 shots so it wasn't even a bad game for him so maybe like when I'm saying Grubauer versus Wedgwood I'm basically asking like Grubauer versus like the current hotness and obviously I'm not expecting that Wedgwood to be amazing all season long but at this point if you're like trying to win now and you've got Grubauer is it time to just drop him and grab a Wedgwood or someone like that that's on a hot run? So uh, I've been told to, I'm, I'm doing this because I've been told, I've been told to do a, a little victory lap on Philip Grubauer, even though this is not a victory and I don't think it's over, but this isn't uh, like unprecedented from Philip Grubauer that he's bad. Last year, Grubauer was bad at five on five, but amazing shorthanded, which was co- like, but his uh, amazing shorthanded play was covering up his deficiencies at five on five and kind of called attention to it and questioned it. And then by the end of the season, Grubauer's five on five play leveled out to being almost an average goalie at five on five. But this year, we're seeing a similar story play out where Grubauer is having this terrible outing at five on five and still above average on the penalty kill. So just imagine how bad he'd be. Like, I'm actually like wondering if this is who Grubauer is. Like, we've never seen someone who can be reliably really great on the penalty kill. And I'm wondering, like, could you imagine if Grubauer is the first short-handed goalie specialist and teams started 
getting him and putting him in when their team went shorthanded. It's like, okay, you play <laughs> the on. penalty kill and then come back out and we'll put our better five on five goalie in. That'd be really funny. Yeah, that's never happened. So yeah, that would be yeah. really cool. Hard to imagine. Yeah, uh, but in the crease, like Seattle is too good defensively. And I think they're a good team. Uh, we, we've said before, like, just give Grubauer and Seattle some time to all figure each other out. But yeah, it's getting really frustrating. And so you're looking to Scott Wedgwood, who has been great. We've seen this before from him, by the way, in his first uh, cups of coffee in New Jersey. He went on these really great runs and, and they didn't last. And so that's one reason to be skeptical that Wedgwood is going to be worth it this time. He's also in Arizona, which is a great spot for volume, but not for anything else. And it might not even be a great spot for volume because if Wedgwood gets shelled often enough and doesn't hold up, well, he's not going to hold the net. Um, so I sort of have him in the same place that we've put a lot of other goalies we've talked about this year, like Vimelka and Hutton for starters. Tkarski and Anderson in Buffalo, Jake Allen, Philip Gustafson and Matt Murray, Stuart Skinner, even to some extent, like we're looking at a goalie who is not going to get you like forget scratch Skinner from this list, but a goalie who's not going to get you a whole lot of wins and is risky each time you play him. But if you want volume and if you want to roll the dice, then you can go Scott Wedgwood. If I could afford to be patient with my goalies and acknowledge that goalies are super random week to week, I would just hold Grubauer. But if it's like red alert and you need to make a move, then you could swap out Grubauer for Wedgwood. But I just wouldn't recommend it because I think as good as Wedgwood has been, it's unlikely that he's going to be this good the rest of the way. And Grubauer has more upside to be good than Wedgwood does. All right. I guess like the thing is like, it's hard to disagree because I like everything you're saying about Wedgwood, I agree with. It's just, he's been good lately. Right. So I need to like point him out and like people could maybe grab him while he's hot. But like the thing with Grubauer is if you hold him fine, but like, I wouldn't play him. Like he's like, like unless you're in a league that really just like, you know, he, if you benefit from just getting saves and there's not too much of a penalty for goals against then fine, but like in a categories league, like you're risking your save percentage if you play Grubauer at this point. So if you want to hold him, be patient to me, that's like, you're just burning a roster spot on him waiting because I would be too afraid to put him in my net. Agreed. Yeah. So so start Grubauer at your own risk and start Wedgwood at your own risk. But if I want one just sitting on my bench for the right time, it's Grubauer. Like it feels really hard to drop him. If he was dropped in one of my leagues, like I haven't suffered with him this year. So I would take him on and hope that I don't have to suffer with him. Um, but yeah, I'd be interested in Grubauer if he was made available to me, but also understanding how hard it's been for anyone who has him. And there's no guaranteed light at the end of the tunnel. All right, so then it sounds like you're going to be making a trade offer to the Grubauer manager in Cupful Tier 2 Auto. I'll be curious to hear who you offer. <laughs> okay, so next up, let's do another Would You Rather, which was provided to us, uh, and he didn't know that he was providing uh, this for this segment, this content, but a Terry G29 from our Discord asked a question that I thought was interesting, where he was asking if he should offer up his Sam Reinhardt to another manager for Timo Meyer. And, you know, it makes sense on paper that you'd prefer to have Reinhardt. If you look at the ADPs of these guys like for the couple specifically reinhardt was being taken like 82nd overall on average while meyer was being taken at 125 uh but you know meyer was on the COVID protocol for a while but he came back at the end of last week and he's continued his torrid start to the season even after samsonov shut out the team yesterday meyer still sits at 15 points in 12 games on the season and in that scoreless game on saturday meyer gave a season high six hits to his managers so he made sure to give you something even if he wasn't going to give you a point 
Uh, by the way, a side thing on San Jose is that Jonathan Dallin is injured, and it looks like maybe Rudolph's Balsers uh, might take over on his line with Couture. So I don't know. Something to watch, whatever. Uh, so yeah, I want to compare Timo Meyer to Sam Reinhardt, who has not met the super high expectations we had for him back on draft day. Like Florida scored five goals on Saturday, but Reinhardt somehow didn't factor in on any, nor did he manage a shot. And that extended his pointless streak to four games. And what's worse than having a player that you expect to be a high-end player on your team, then you see that the team scores four, and then you don't even give you give anything like a value for uh, so that's the most frustrating thing right and so with barkov out and it might by the way be short term like barkov seems like he's like a beast like he's kind of like david pasternak where like you see this injury and they announce he's gonna be out for weeks then it turns out he's gonna be like back in like five days so i wouldn't be surprised if barkov is back in a week or two he's already been skating apparently but anyways with him out reinhardt has been playing on the second line with verhaggy and lundell definitely not the deployment drafters were hoping for people were hoping that reinhardt would be playing with barkov or at least huberdo right now he's playing with neither and don't forget even when barkov was in the lineup in the game where barkov got hurt the panthers had been mixing things up and they put barkov huberdo and duclair on the top line leaving reinhardt with bennett and verhage uh so brian at this point reinhardt's career high with buffalo was 65 points back in 2018-19 currently he's pacing for 50 so along with comparing him to timo meyer which to me actually is a pretty easy answer at this point so to make it a little more challenging i also am curious to know do you think that reinhardt's gonna come anywhere close to challenging his career high which which is a question by the way going into the season i thought like is it like a for sure thing that he's gonna beat his career high now it's like will he even come close to it I'm hoping he can approach it, but like you said, a lot of it is going to depend on the deployment. And to summarize a lot of what you said, Sam Reinhardt's deployment has not been awesome, and he doesn't seem to be the first choice for Florida to really like do anything with, uh, aside from that start of the season where he did have a crack up in the top six. Uh, since then, he just like has not earned that time or deployment back. And all season long, actually, he's been really playing like 15 minutes a night compared to his Buffalo days where like they leaned on him hard, especially his last two years there. He's playing 20 minutes a night as he came into his own. He's 26 years old. He just turned 26 a couple weeks ago. This should be prime Sam Reinhardt. And Florida acquired him and is not seeming to give him a full chance, which is interesting. Uh, I'm not really sure what it means, but to me, at least in the short term, it means that I don't expect Sam Reinhardt to be able to reach his past career high of around 65 points. And with Tumo Meyer, man, I just, I love what we're seeing. I see where he's, like, I see where Meyer is overperforming at five on five. He has some high percentages working for him. But I think Meyer could still be a 70-point player. And honestly, I think if he gets going on the power play, I'm open to more. Like, we've seen him have this good 70-point season before without that. But now Meyer has that opportunity on the power play. And, uh, like, I, I, Elon, I'm just going to say it. I think there's a chance Meyer eclipses 80 points this year. Wow. I mean, you mean pace, right? Because he missed some time. So that yes. would be ex- extra appealing. But yeah, he's doing really well. He's in a good spot. He's fine. You know, with uh, Evander Kane out of the picture, it looks like Meyer's like, going to be holding this top power play deployment. So everything's looking good for Meyer. By the way, there's been some news and notes recently about Evander Kane that he apparently was practicing, like not with the team, but in the arena. So I know some people were saying he can't practice because the Sharks were like holding on to his equipment. So who knows? Anyway, the suspension is almost up. So that's a whole side story that we're not going to get into right now. But uh, there's been some interesting tweets that 
Shams has been retweeting from the Game Day News NHL account. Uh, so, you know, go go on The Athletic or go on that account if you want to keep up with the latest on Evander Kane. We have no idea. The, the long answer, though, is, or the short answer is that we have no idea if he's going to play or not. There's been no indication he might come back in like two weeks or he might not play all season. So if he's available in your free agency and people have been asking us what you should do, it's like, honestly, like, I don't know. Okay. Like, I can't help <laughs> you. I just have no idea. We have no idea. No idea. And while you went on the San Jose sidebar, I'm going to go on a little Florida sidebar and just shout out Carter Verhage, who's really stepped up in Barkov's absence. Uh, He has three goals in three straight games on just seven shots. So it's not that exciting. But overall, 10 points in Verhage's last 10 games. Uh, Before that, he was cold for four games. Before that, he was on a four-game point streak. I'm just, uh, it's nice to see him continue the run he's been on. Uh, in Florida, even without Barkov. I mean, I don't think this goal scoring is at all sustainable, but it's really nice for anyone rostering him, such as myself, that when Barkov was out, I have Barkov and Verhage on a couple squads. I'm like, oh no, Barkov's out. That almost like takes out two of my players, but Verhage has, uh, has held a candle until Barkov's return. So way to go, Carter Verhage. Yeah, I've got him in a couple leagues as well, and I felt the same thing, and I'm very happy that he's been good. Unfortunately, I didn't believe in him enough to like play him in one of my leagues yesterday. It was like a busy Saturday, and I left him on my bench, and then he scored a goal. And I was like, of course, I made the wrong choice. I have Duclair in that league also, and I played Duclair and sat for Hagi. Obviously made the wrong choice, but long term, hopefully they'll both be good, and we'll see how the lines shake out when Barkov is back, because like I said, they were starting to shake things up even before that injury. Uh, okay, and by the way, you asked about like, why is Florida not giving Reinhardt a chance? Like At the end of the day, like we can't really question them too much because they keep winning games so obviously they're just an awesome team and maybe they just don't need Reinhardt to play that role that he played in Buffalo maybe that's the best way for they to, them to win games maybe similar to Taylor Hall in Boston and uh, Taylor Hall I was considering bringing him up as like a snoozer in today's episode he had a couple points a couple games back so I decided to like give him a pass but uh, I'm getting pretty tired of Taylor Hall if I had him on one of my fantasy teams I'd be getting really nervous at this point especially since he's been bumped from the top power play but anyways okay one more would you rather then we'll do some quick hits to end the show so going back to deeper league options New Jersey had a big game on Saturday, coming back from being down two in the third to beat Tampa Bay five to three. And the big contributor, the big hero in that game was Yegor Sharangovich, who appeared to take over from Andreas Janssen on line two with Mercer and Bratt. And Sharangovich had a big game, two goals and one assist, including the game winning goal. I believe it was just last week that we were talking about this like Janssen, Bratt, Mercer line and how great they'd been. I'm not sure what happened. Like, I'm definitely going to be watching game day lines and watching those New Jersey beat writer line tweets to see if it's going to be Sharon Govich or Janssen playing with Mercer in Brat. But I want that third person on that line right now. Because first of all, like, no point rehashing too much, but Brat and Mercer continue to be hot. Brat has 12 points in his last 11 games. Mercer has seven points in his last six games. If Sharon Govich is going to take that spot, he's a guy who we saw last year put up a good run when he was moved into good deployment. I believe he was playing with Heeshear or Jack Hughes. I think he was playing with Sha- Jack Hughes, right? It was like Hughes, Sharon Govich, and Kokanen, and they were doing really well together at points. Uh, so now if he's going to be able to play with the Red Hot Brat and Mercer, that could be good. So let's throw Sharon Govich up against a guy who we mentioned earlier, and now I'm going to make it official, Brian, Alex Radulov. I told you that I'd bring him back, right? So both are actually free agents for me in Tier 1 Sweden right now. I remember actually Radulov was a free agent a few weeks ago, and I remember I asked you if I should grab him, and you said, yeah, you probably should. And then, of course, I'm like a bad friend. Like, I always ask you for advice and I never listen. And usually I regret it. But this time I actually did, was happy I didn't grab him because someone else took him and he did nothing. Now he's back in free agency and I could grab him or I could grab Sharon Govich or I could grab a bunch of other people. And obviously it depends on the schedule. But yeah, that's my would you rather Sharon Govich or Radulov. Who do you like better? Not, not even for like the rest of the season, you know, for the next few weeks. This is the closest I've come in this whole game to just saying nobody. I really like. I- what? 
Yeah, I, playing with Bratton Mercers. What a oh. sweet spot. <laughs> so I'm look. I'm I'm interested in anyone playing with Bratton Mercer. But Andres Janssen was playing with Bratton Mercer for a bit and not doing a whole lot. Like he he had a little run, but then he went quiet. So I'm wondering if the, it's not a guarantee that playing with Mercer and Brad is going to get you anything because I think Mercer and Brad are also overperforming. That three point game for Sharankovich was really exciting, but those were also his first points after a nine game pointless drought. Uh, some of those games were shortened, I think, by like some injuries or injury concerns. But just keep in mind that's not awesome. Meanwhile, Alex Radulov also not awesome at all uh, and he he's someone like i did tell you to have faith uh in the league i co-manage um with a friend of the pod john newhold stat- former couple stat attack host we have radulov and like i've been the one saying like keep him keep him like things look okay radulov doesn't look great but he looks okay and honestly i'm like if i'm losing patience with alex radulov i can only imagine how other people are feeling because he's a guy that i i want to believe in and i see the talent but man, it's just not showing up. And again, just another victim of this Dallas Stars team. But I'm not just saying he's a victim of this Dallas Stars team. I think he also just hasn't been very good. He's not up to his usual level of play. He is also getting some bad percentages. But overall, he's really like he has entered essentially snoozer territory. The last time I thought that, though, he went on a four game point streak and ended up having points in six of seven. Now, Radulov has been quiet for three, but recently had a five, a, a, like a season high five shot game, which is why I'm still sort of standing by my guy, even though he played fewer than 13 minutes in that five shot game. Um, but I really don't like either. If you have Radulov, you can probably move on and try and grab someone more exciting. I don't think Sharon Govich qualifies as more exciting, but if you're tired of Radulov, he's at least a change of scenery. Yeah, okay, that's a good way to put it. Uh, and yeah, since we're on Jersey, I'll just mention really quickly, not that I'm saying I expect this to keep up, but nice to see P.K. Subban on a nice run. He has a goal and five assists in his last six games. He's not getting any power play time, kind of pulling a Shillington at the moment, though actually Shillington's started to get power play time on Calgary since he started his hot run. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. If you... I'm in a couple leagues where it's really hard to find a D, and so Subban is starting to bubble up to the top of my free agent list. Is he uh, of any interest to you anywhere? Yes, he is of interest, especially while he's producing. I don't think that this production is totally sustainable for him. His points participation is double what it normally is, and it's crazy. Like, it's high for what would be a forward, so it's super high for a defenseman, and he's getting a ton of secondary assists. But it's nice to see him find a, a bit of his groove, and I like. I'm hoping that he can be, I don't know, a 40-point guy the rest of the season, like uh, pace-wise. That's what I'd be looking for from Subban. Right now, he's on still just a 46-point pace with this fortuitous uh, you know, percentage situation. So that's why I'm not going over the moon for Subban. But he does seem like if you have a defenseman get injured, say, he looks like a, a suitable short-term replacement. Yeah, I I don't even know if I would uh, expect 40-point pace from Subban. But, you know, throwback to those times when we used to debate Carlson versus Subban, who's the best defenseman to have in fantasy. Feels like a long time ago at this point. Uh, You know your old win. Okay, uh, let's do some quick hits to end the show now. That's the end of our Would You Rather game. Please tweet at us, at Keeping Carlson. Let us know what you thought of this segment of the show. We're trying to bring you some fresh uh, ways to present. Like, basically, every week, we're just telling you hot streaks, cold streaks, and injuries, and outjuries, right? And we're just trying to find a fun way to freshen it up. So let us know what you thought. 
thought about the Would You Rather game. Uh, but yeah, we'll end the show with some quick hits. Let's start in Nashville. Matt Duchesne had a third period hat trick yesterday versus Montembeau and the Habs in a too little, too late comeback attempt. Uh, Granlund, of course, assisted on two of those goals because they've just been producing together all season long. Duchesne is now at 12 goals and 19 points in 17 games on the season. Granlund is at 18 points in those 17 games. Uh, 15 of those points are assists, but still over a point per game. Uh, Granlund, by the way, only 36% rostered on Yahoo. Seems kind of insane to me. What league are you in where you're not grabbing Mikhail Granlund, who's over a point per game, playing with the red-hot Matt Duchesne? Uh, to me, uh, I don't know. They're kind of looking like maybe the Sedins of the South. Or is, is Nashville the South? I don't know exactly what it is. But, cool. <laughs> but like, did you like come up with that by yourself? I just came up with it. Well, just because like Duchesne's scoring all the goals and Granlin's getting all the assists. It just reminded me of Henrik and Daniel. Well, I guess Daniel and Henrik specifically. And uh, yeah, I just want to know, like, are you expecting any reason to expect a fall off from these guys? Or is this just going to be a huge bounce back year for both Duchesne and Granlin making beautiful music together over in Nashville? Beautiful country music. In the music city. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, it, it's hard. Grenland has burned me so many times. I've talked about this on the show before that it's really hard for me to get behind anything he does right now. I mean, his power play production has gone haywire and Nashville is shooting 22% on the power play when Grenland's on the ice. And I think that's driving a lot of his numbers. Uh, he has, uh, all assists, by the way. He has five assists, uh, on, f- 10 on ice goals for while Grenland's on the power play. So that's been a really nice piece that Grenland has put in his game this year. Even with power play time in the past, Grenland has never uh, been so great at capitalizing. His uh, five on five production is actually remarkably similar to past years. So, I mean, it really shows like Grenland in like is, has five power play points in 17 games so far this year. In his last about 115 games, he had 13 power play points total so it's been a while since Grandland was actually cashing in on the power play it's nice he's doing that now with actually similar deployment to what he had and did nothing with last year but remember the nashville power play has been broken since Grandland arrived and i don't think i'm blaming him for it by saying that uh, but it's nice to see some signs of life from both him and duchene they are both must rosters for the moment, I, I can't get too far ahead on either guy because they've they've crushed a lot of people along the way with a lot of up and down years and weeks and days. But for now, Duchesne and Grenland absolutely should be rostered in all formats. Yeah, Duchesne especially just because goals usually are worth even more. And Grenland, like, just like, come on, 36%. If, if you have Grenland in your free agency, we offer a free service, which maybe we should charge for. But uh, you could tweet at us at Kevin Carlson and uh, ask us your ad drop question. I'd be curious to see your roster. And then I could suggest someone that you probably will want to drop for Grenland because right now he's uh, running hot. Obviously, now that I say it, maybe he'll cool off. But Hard to argue with what he's been doing so far. Uh, next up, let's go to Columbus. Jacob Voracek pulling a Henrik Sedin of his own. He's got one goal and 14 assists on the season in 15 games. So a point per game, Jacob Voracek. He was actually dropped to free agency in a couple tier one at one point when Columbus had a bad schedule in a week. How badly did I blow it by not scooping up Voracek? I remember thinking at the time, yeah, I'm sure he'll be good, but like, Line's injured. Oh, by the way, uh, condolences to Line. His dad died, and uh, that's very sad, of course. But uh, Line, so Line's injured, and I thought Mel Voracek's playing with like Sillinger or whoever. Like, he's good, but he's not that great right now. Anyways, anyways, since regardless, Voracek's having like going back to like the vintage mid teens Flyers Voracek that we used to love back when he used to crack 80 points a couple of times. Do you think he's going to do it again this year? 
those seasons that Voracek like got or got near or cracked 80 points was thanks to huge power play production, like 30 plus point seasons. And that's what he's pacing for right now with eight power play points in 15 games. His five on five production, just like Grandland, is the same, but he's really starting to make use of what's going on on the power play. One power play goal, seven power play assists. In fact, Voracek in 15 games has matched his 53-game power play total from last season. So way to go, Jacob Voracek, for getting off to that crazy, crazy start. Whether that's all sustainable, I mean, I don't think it's all sustainable, but I do think that more of it is sustainable than I would have thought at first blush. Like if he and like Boone Jenner's on that top unit too, and finding new life in this role as like a shooter and finisher, like his and Boone Jenner's expected goals rates on the power play are insane compared to where they've been everywhere else for his career, like at five on five and on the power play. And I feel like that's uh, that's something that's going on with Jacob Voracek too. That Columbus power play seems like a good place to be. I don't see Voracek pacing for like the forty five power play points he's currently pacing for, but I do see. 25, maybe even 30 on the rise. And if things keep breaking right for him, which should put him in line for, I would hope, a 70-ish point pace season, assuming everything holds at five on five, which so far it has. Yeah, so good job so far, Jacob Voracek. And uh, yeah, seems like he'll be able to, if he doesn't hit 80, he will likely hit 70 this year with the role he's getting and the way he's been playing. Uh, Okay, then let's finish off over in Vegas, where it looks like we're going to have a bunch of outjuries coming soon. Uh, Max Pacioretty might be returning to Vegas next week. I thought he was still going to be a few weeks away, but I saw all of a sudden yesterday he was like skating at practice. And then like they announced last minute that he wasn't going to play, but that must mean that he is going to play soon. Uh, Marsha, so don't forget, is on the COVID protocol. So you never really hear about these guys in the COVID protocol, but like any day now, they could just announce that COVID protocol is over for Marsha So, so he might be back. Uh, by the way, Shea Theodore has been injured. I don't, so that's kind of a sad thing that he, he's like on his way out right now. He hit his head on the boards on Tuesday versus Carolina, but he's been skating. So I think he's probably not out too long from what I've been seeing. Also, don't forget that Alec Martinez is injured. Uh, his face was cut with a skate. Just like these Vegas players have just had terrible luck this season with these injuries, but we might be at a point where almost everyone will be back. I think it might still be a little while for William Carlson. But aside from that, a lot of big things. I guess we're also waiting still for Jack Eichel. That's going to be a couple of months. But uh, let's think about this. With all these guys back, like, I've been into Evgeny Dadanov while he's been playing with uh, Mark Stone in the Pacioretty role. It's been Dadanov with Stone and Stevenson, both at even strength and on the power play. Dadanov had that big two goals and one assist game versus Vancouver last week. Only one assist in three games this week, but he did take 11 shots. And I saw some tweets saying like Dadanov and Stone were playing well together. So I was into him. And then I was also thinking like, I'll only be interested in Dadanov like until Pacioretty comes back because Pacioretty will obviously bump him from that spot. But now I'm starting to imagine maybe a situation where... I don't know, like maybe Vegas goes with like Marsh or so, Dodonov and Riley Smith on one line, then Pacioretty with Stone and Stevenson on another line for a really nice stack top six. Then, you know, you could have your top power play with like Stone, Patches, Marsh or so, Dodonov, and either Petrangelo or Theodore. So uh, I don't know, maybe Dodonov will be someone, I know I keep switching between Dodonov and Dodonov. I think it's Dodonov, right? So I'll try to get that right moving forward. But yeah, he might still have some interest in me, obviously a lot less once Pacioretty comes back. Uh, so I guess that's my overall recap. And 
And I guess I'll throw out one more take. I'm not really asking you a question. So I'll just, after, at the end, I'll just be like, thoughts? But uh, don't forget, Alec Martinez had that great year last year. And he's like stunk this year. Like, before he got hurt, only three assists in 11 games. But keep in mind that most of those games where Martinez was going pointless, like most of Vegas was going pointless, right? Like they just weren't producing with both Stone and Pacioretty out of the lineup. Uh, like Martinez did have actually two assists in his first three games when everyone was healthy. And then he went quiet when everyone was gone. So he's fallen to FA in a couple of my leagues. Like just someone to watch, right? If Martinez is in free agency for you, once the whole band is back together, I'm not necessarily expecting Martinez to go all the way back to what he did last year, but he probably will do better than he's been so far. So he's someone I would look at if you need a defenseman once he's back. What a great rundown there, Elon. Like a lot of speculation, obviously. So keep an eye on game day lines on Twitter to see how lines shake out as all these Vegas players come back. I like the thought of keeping an eye on Alec Martinez or even like Petrangelo and Theodore who have had a tough time or Chandler Stevenson while Stone and Pacioretty have been out. I I like your creativity, Elon, in thinking like reimagining the Vegas lines, but they've been what they've been for so long. I'm curious. Like, I'm very open to it. We'll see if they actually go through with it for me. Well, no, but like Carlson's injured, right? That's why I'm rethinking it. Like, they have to do something different. Of course. So I I think like my only advice, like that's a great little rundown of the situation, Elon. And my only advice is to keep a close eye on the lines using game day news and frozen tools. Yeah. By the way, here's just a random apropos of nothing. The Leafs just scored their third goal of the game against the Islanders. And it looks like Michael Bunting is back on the good line. Like he was bounced down to the bottom six and he just assisted on a goal by Mitch Marner. So I don't know. In your super deep leagues, maybe take a look again at Michael Bunting, who I know we recommended in the past and he turned out to to go bust. But I, I like anyone who's playing with Matthews and Marner, of course. Oh, and also, Brian, you wanted me to mention that Victor Olofsson is back for Buffalo. He was doing really well uh, today for Buffalo. He got one assist and uh, just a single shot, which is like what Olofsson's been doing a lot of lately. Uh, Like a little while just before his injury, we were saying that what Olofsson had been up to was not sustainable. Like he was off to this, like this really torrid start. I'm actually just bringing up his numbers now. Uh, Victor Olofsson uh, is on a 91 point pace with 10 points in his first nine games, but he's shooting 22%. His points participation is high. Like nothing about this tells me it's for real. And in fact, like some of his numbers under the hood look a little, just a, a titch dicey. And so uh, like line one power play one is great if that's where Olofsson is playing, but He's also in Buffalo, which is not a great place to be playing. Um, although we did find a trio of Sabres who might be worth rostering last week. He's not someone I would be overly attached to and would be trying to pedal if I had Olofsson on my roster. Oh, right. Olofsson back on the top line. That means our episode title from last week was now out of date. That was a really good one. Uh, despite all my rage, I've got Rasmus, Skinner, and Tage. But now it's uh, Skinner, Tage, and Victor. So I don't know if it really fits as well. So you'll have to come up with something new this week, Brian, which I guess was the plan. Anyway, I know you were asking in the chat here about a Seth Jarvis pun that you can go for. Did you come up with something? I've got something and everybody will have already seen it. Oh, yeah, that's true. When you download the episode. If you're listening. Well, if you're watching live, then it's a mystery to you, like it is to me at the moment. Okay, so thanks, everyone, so much for listening to another episode of Keeping Carlson. We hope that we made it worth your while. Hopefully, this was time well spent as we ran through a bunch of hot streaks and cold streaks, played some games, had some fun, and here we are at the end looking forward to another big week of fantasy action, except for on Thursday, where we're all going to be forced to take a bit of a break uh, and definitely check out the Stream Scheme episode. Brian mentioned it earlier by Dave Betton, where he breaks down the schedule for next week to help you make your decisions of who 
who you may want to stream in and stream out. Uh, okay, but with that, Brian, uh, what else should I say? Oh, yeah, we have our contest going, right? If you want to be so kind as to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a comment and then tag us in a tweet with a screenshot so that we can add you to our contest, we're going to do a Michael Raffle at the end of the month. And the winner of that raffle will get a cool piece of Keeping Carlson merch, a T-shirt. Uh, so, you know help us out it's like a nice thing you could do we'd really appreciate it and we'll you know send a shirt to the lucky winner of that contest uh also if you really enjoy the show and want to get like the keeping carlson experience 24 7 because that's really what it feels like to me come join the patron community that we have over on discord where we've just got really smart people talking fantasy all day, all night long. It's just a blast. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. Like, people join, and then they tell us, like, I really like all this cool stuff you've got going on in the Discord. Like, uh, it's almost, like, hard to explain. We made a video of it that actually you can see on our YouTube page. Or I think it's on our Patreon or something. But anyways, we've got these bots that are posting lots of useful tips. We have a way for you to ask questions and create your own thread, you know, so your questions won't get buried. And like just a lot of other cool stuff to make sure that we're going to be able to help. Like Brian and I will see all your questions and be able to try to give you help. But also like all the patrons are really smart. Like you don't only want help from Brian and I. You want to get the the hive mind of keeping Carlson super fans who are so nice to support our podcast. Uh, so if you're interested in joining that community and also getting like the patron cast and some other cool perks, show notes, uh, check out keepingcarlson.com slash patron but okay with that brian i think we're ready to uh, call it a night so i'm gonna cue up the outro music bing, and then why don't you go ahead and read us the credits all right this episode of the keeping carlson fantasy hockey podcast was presented by dauber hockey and powered by our patrons including our super supporters patty rob david Derek, tom andrea christopher and flash if you want to be a super supporter, just do what Elon was just talking about. Head on over to patreon.com slash keeping Carlson. Thanks to our Cacupful coordinator, Kevin Hebert, and our team of co-commissions for more information on the Cacupful. And to see, like, you can click through and see the standings in our top tier division, kkupfl.com. Thanks, as always, to Shams for keeping the amazing stream of fancy relevant news rolling on our three key twitter accounts at game day lines at game day news nhl and at game day goalies logo art by brandonweeb.com outro music by pat roach research with help from dauber hockey frozen tools dauber prospects natural stat trek evolving hockey cap friendly the athletic hockey goalies.org hockey reference hockey viz hockey database elite prospects nbc sports edge and yahoo Great job as always, Brian. And yeah, I'm looking at at Game Day News NHL right now, and I see Shams just retweeted uh, recently that Brock Nelson didn't come back for the third period for the Islanders. So there's some news for you that you could have uh, known 33 minutes ago if you were following at Game Day News NHL with uh, notifications like I have on my phone. But anyway, what was I saying? Oh yeah, great job, Brian. Looking forward to some more content this week. We're going to have a couple short shifts coming at you as per usual with the great Ben Burnett and Louis Ezekiel. So you want to be subscribed to Keeping Carlson to make sure you're getting all of our episodes, and then I'll be back at you with another fun mega episode next sunday brian i'm really looking forward to doing that in a week until then keep doing what you're doing to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone <laughs>